Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks, I'm Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson, and dude, month two, season four Here we are, baby Feeling good, feeling so fresh I'm feeling I'm feeling like a bit of a like a bit of a laugh and yeah. like a bit of a weight has been lifted. I mean, I loved uh the month one. Right. Episodes one through four. Right. And all of Fantastic our time. Fantastic chats. Oh my all, all of our, our time, time with, with Connor, Connor Sweeney. Sweeney. Oh my god. I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent. Like it was cleansing and it was so yeah. oh my god, like the breadth of topics and it was yep. so deep. Awesome, awesome episodes. Thank you again, Connor, for being on. Absolutely, man. Um, heart of the, the heart of the Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I just, I, I just constantly, any chance to cross the streams with that guy. You know, nope. <laughs> you um, know it. No, so uh, we we actually pulled an audible right at the end of, of last month. We had planned to do a month of like psychological horror films this yep. month. Um, you know, just get really into the crazy, nitty gritty craziness. And, uh, Man, winter was really shitty and kind of kind it was of tough. It was tough, dude. And the episodes we ended up doing with Connor were like amazing, but like yes. sometimes pretty heavy. There was a lot of I mean, Brokeback Mountain, her. We're I talking felt, about dystopia. Yeah, I felt the crimes. kind of episodes where I felt I felt cleansed and like like I'd gone to a very intense like therapy session. But sometimes those can also leave you feeling a bit. Raw. drained yeah. and open and just like yeah raw absolutely yeah. So, so we were staring down the barrel of you know like uh nightmare psychological head fuck six and i'm like you know hey what if we what want to do a different wanna do a different month of like funny movies or so we fucking... and we've been banging around the idea of bringing in the funny man himself steve martin into his own month for a while Dude, since i think it was one of our rejected months for season one season one steve martin deep dive so yep so here we are ladies and gentlemen it's time for our april fool we are covering <sighs> i know dude. i almost feel like recurring segment just to get us out of the winter and back into I know. spring oh Time, Carl, we're getting older. We need a little laughter we need to, a, to bump us into the summer months. <laughs> this is the shot in the arm that yes. we need. This is our vaccine month. Um, exactly. So we are, we've are. we got a nice little palate cleanser for you here. We're doing an entire month of Steve Martin appreciation. And what better way to start Steve Martin appreciation month than with 1979's The Jerk? <laughs>
So before we before we yeah. dive in and yeah, talk yeah. about the flick, um, we are a listener supported podcast. So uh, we would like to take this opportunity to thank our patrons, of which we have a couple of new ones and a couple of returning faces as well. So we would like to begin. Uh, shouted her out, I believe, at the beginning of March of last year or last month. Um, <laughs> so uh, we would love to thank. We would love to thank for starters, Baloney Shoes. I just fucking love the handle so much. It is my uh, it's my sister in law, Erin. Thank you so much, Erin. She's long, long time <laughs> listener. She actually has sent me some cool uh, podcast resources, which we're gonna take a, to maybe take advantage of this year. We would also Absolutely like fantastic. to thank Jeffrey Tiberius Morgan. Uh, we actually have some fun announcements uh, vis-a-vis Mr. Morgan that we're gonna, very soon. We're holding on to him for now, but uh, that name is gonna be coming up more and more on this podcast in the next next couple of uh, episodes. Uh, we'd love to thank Leslie Ty. Kevin Ramirez over on the East Coast, hanging tough and staying strong. Sister Sarah Hartley, way the fuck out in the middle of nowhere, far. Was far. next to a lake somewhere. <laughs> She's just sipping a rose and the, watching the sunset and just pitying us all for the fools a, that we in are. In a cottage with her husband, her huge dog, and chickens. Like, I mean. I know, what a garbage life. Doesn't this just sound horrible? Sounds Carl? miserable. <laughs> I want to go to there. I know. Dude, as soon as we get that second shot, Ben, practice more. Oh, let's do it. Thank you so much, William Rockwood, the uh, the patron with maybe my my favorite taste in music. Thank you, Brian mm-hmm. Jackson. Thank you, David Rowney, the uh, the English gentleman. My guy, the... <laughs> His fucking pontifications recently on the DC universe. Dude, I and I felt kind of bad because I shit all over the Snyder Cut. Which should almost be its own. I could I could rant for about forty minutes about the Snyderverse. Dirt, Won't do it here, yeah, but sure. <laughs> we'll we'll get that. Not on, on the this books. episode. <laughs> Carl's Carl's hate and rage part one. But part I feel two. bad because no, because David Rowney, producer of the show, is sure. like very happily you know oh the it's the opus and everything. I just I just um I just. I'll be honest. I've Dumped never diarrhea all over. I have not seen either cut. Um, at some point, I think we should probably. I yeah. don't know, but it almost feels like subjecting ourselves to the DC movies. You know it, what I mean? 
does. Like, I know. Um, but I just want this to serve as an apology on air to David Rowney, the English gentleman, longtime supporter of Measuring Flicks, for taking a dump all over his uh, Snyderverse the on, our, on our wonderful group text that we have going with him. So, Yeah, David, it was – we got you in a corner, buddy. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would love to thank Kelly and Mike Wagner – uh, Daniele Hartelli, who I believe I saw bring you that uh, that youngling. My youngling, mm, <laughs> delicious. Um, we would love uh, once again. Uh, we thanked him as co-host. Now let us thank him as patron and supporter of the show. Thank you so much, Connor Sweeney. Again, from the bottom of our hearts, a big thank you to Casey Shibe, who sent a very who sent us an incredible fucking email about. A I was going to say a strongly worded email, but. Dude, it was it in was, the best way possible. Yeah, the most it was, fire lighting. It was so brilliant. It, it, yeah. She sent us essentially. She's a business major. Carl and I are artists. I'm an Your English writing ups. major with a theater minor. Yeah, I'm like I'm the most. I'm like I'm a, <laughs> I'm a wine club director with a music degree. <laughs> like right, I've got like I got like big dreams and big amplifiers. But she's got a business degree, so she sent us like this business plan, and she's like, "Let me help you get on social media." let's work out a posting schedule let's do actionable goals and then we were like looking at this she laid out an entire measuring yeah. flicks business plan for us and was and then in addition was like let me help you fucking do this <laughs> so we've spent like the last week like like holy shit yeah we hired yeah. a designer we're doing our we can announce it now we're going to be releasing our first t-shirt that's hopefully, so fucking awesome uh, hopefully dude. sometime we're thinking like sometime around my birthday hopefully early summer june ish but like that's coming we're looking at other merch we're looking at social media postings i've caught up on um all the episode stuff like if you head on over to patreon.com i just put up um well i'm now we're recording a little bit in the future but i just put up like some of the last connor episodes that are patreon exclusives fantastic yeah so dude casey thank you so much we would also like to thank cynthia van mayenen and Cassandra down in Florida. I don't know at this point when this episode drops whether or not it will be out, but Bird and I just recently had the opportunity to go and sit down and, uh, on Cassandra's podcast, Cassandra Explains It All, which was a fucking blast. It was like a four-hour-long, nine-to-one-in-the-morning blast. Her show was so yeah. much fun. We sat and we talked about uh, Wes Craven's Scream, the first installment. Oh, fantastic, man. Um, and it, it went, I am assuming it went well enough that she'll have us back. She's been texting about getting me on, uh, being possibly me and bird on for some future episodes of cool. Like, are you afraid of the dark and stuff? If you haven't listened to Cassandra explains it all. And you were a nineties kid in the slightest, if you grew up on Rugrats and all like good time, Nickelodeon shit, her, uh, her like nineties throwback nostalgia podcast is just yep. fabulous. I so. finally, I finally dug into a couple episodes and I gotta tell you, listener, Check her out. It's just the most endearing shit from the heart, and it is. If you, like like you said, Max, if you're a fan of like Rugrats, anything Nickelodeon, right. like hit her podcast up. It's I, such a treat to listen to, because she's just so sincere. She's just like this cool person that's a fan of the. To, of dude, the Nickelodeon totally. and oh my god and she does not to keep uh, we'll we'll get onto the show in just one second but like recently she she has this uh, uncanny ability to grab like the coolest fucking interviews 
So I, I'm trying to find the one that she just recently did, but she just um, interviewed, I think it's the creator of Bear in the Big Blue House. That's dude, incredible. Dude who worked on Rugrats. Um, she's done so many fabulous interviews already, like this early into her series. She's got maybe, what, like 15, 16 episodes, and she's already mm-hmm. snagging like old school Nickelodeon animators and shit and writers for Nickelodeon on her show. Awesome show. Go and check out Cassandra Explains It All. It's killer, and you might hear me while you're over there. All right. That's enough of thanking those patrons. If you want to um, if you want to get shouted out at the beginning of a show or support our show, if you like what we do, head on over to patreon.com slash quillandfilm, Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M. There is much more. There's frequent posts going on now. There's going to be updates about that special thing that we can't tell you about yet, and that'll be where all of the here are some preliminary designs, all the T-shirt news is going to be as well. Plus, it's just Hell a fun yeah. place to hang out with fun people. That's not the all right. Enough, enough uh, housekeeping. Enough Carl. front matter. Enough front matter. Let's get into the matter at hand, which is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Right. It is a bit. Oh, we'll talk about what it, it is a what bit. It is a bit of, <laughs> it's a bit of something directed by. It's a bit of amazing directed by Carl Reiner, starring Steve Martin, Bernadette Peters. Ooh, Bernadette mm-hmm. Peters. Oh my oh, god. Oh, Bernadette. Catelyn Adams as Patty. Fucking two horns <laughs> up, dude. Horns for Patty. That chick is fucking rad. Patty fucks you, buddy. <laughs> Patty fucks hard. <laughs> Mabel King, Richard Ward, uh, Dick Anthony Williams, Bill Macy, M. Emmett Walsh. Dude, I didn't know I wanted more of him until I saw him again in this. And I'm like, yep. I've only ever seen you as basically this guy. This guy, yeah. But I just love your sweaty, manic, you know, your face is melting. The way you talk about <laughs> things with your mouth. I'm He's a private detective now. Private detective. He's like a little a... fun bit of trivia. He plays Fla- uh, Barry Allen's dad in the 1990s uh, short-lived Flash the television Flash. series? Yeah. <gasps> He's, Get he's the hell out he's of here. Mr. Allen. Yeah, <laughs> I fucking love me, dude. I love me some M. Emmett Walsh. Um, also starring, uh, Carl Reiner. I I don't know why I wrote down. Oh yeah, Carl Reiner, Ren Woods, Carl Gottlieb, Rob Reiner, who's uncredited as the truck driver who picks up Steve Martin. And oh my fucking god, is that Lenny Luca Brazzi Montana that I see in this son of a bitch? Yeah, sure is. Fucking Luca br- sleeps with the fishes, Bratzy himself. <laughs> in the most awkward scene in the history of oh comedy. My god, dude, there is nothing harder in this world than being gently high and watching Steve Martin <laughs> scream in an Italian man's face. <laughs> you're, sir, you're talking to a neighbor. It's you're, I am a neighbor. It's shocking. It's absolutely the most shocking. I was not. Oh, well, let's start at the beginning, but, Carl. Start at the beginning. So, in the beginning, oh. he was born a uh, poor black <laughs> child. Of... <laughs> ah! just... There's no getting around it. This is gonna, this this episode's gonna have a uh, Muppet <laughs> Show disclaimer on yes! it. <laughs> it's just like the fucking first thing that happens. It's the first thing you hear. It's the first <laughs> thing you see. What? You want to know my story? The worst. Okay. The literal worst drunk acting ever done by anyone it's outside of Nicole Kidman. It's agonizing to watch. <laughs> it's just, by the way, I should just say right off the top, 
I I know that I had an enormous amount of fun watching this movie, but like, and I know that I like it. I know that I fucking like this movie, but man, this is one of those movies where like you just there's moments in here where you're not sure. Like it feels dangerous. <laughs> it does. It's... It really does. And the funny thing is, man, this is like one of my oh. favorite movies. This is one of the only R-rated flicks right. that like we were allowed to watch in the house. I mean, it's problematic or whatever, but my dad's a huge Steve Martin fan. So like certain actors, certain movies were okay because if your parents are a fan, right, you right. sort of, you get like grandfathered in where other things are taboo. No, but Steve, it's Steve Martin. You win them so. over because they want to watch too. Is because exactly, totally. exactly. So like my sister and I grew up on this movie, man. This is what we we call a Rudy. It's our, it's our right. roots. It's like part of the, our DNA sure. as fans of, of, of movies. Man, watch it. I mean, I've watched it recently, but you know, the last year or two, a lot's happened sure. in the world. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. then you, you watch the jerk again in 2021 and I'm, I'm pulling at my collar a little Dis- bit more than like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, gosh, I don't, <laughs> I, I dude, it, it, it was like the best in a way. And I think it's important to remember, like Steve Martin is a stand up comic. You know yes. what I mean? Like he, yes. I, watching this movie, there's so much Steve Martin stand up on Hoopla. My next month's Hoopla is just gonna be like Steve Martin stand up albums. I think there is a stand up element to this movie. Very much so. In its like, I I feel like a a lot of really successful stand up makes you sit in like an uncomfortable silence for a bit, and mm-hmm. then it drops the punchline on you. And the punchline yeah. relieves some of the tension because, dude, this movie, a lot of this movie's okay. Well, I was born a poor black child, and you just do. You've seen the like the little the gif of the guy like doing the double blink and looking, you know, like, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's you make that face, and then it's literally a like, oh my god, dude, Carl. There's no two butts about it, dude. This bit is it's a lean, it's a lean two in Mississippi, and an, an adult. White Steve Martin. Yeah, fully grown. Sing, 40 singing, year old. singing the blues on the porch with his adopted black family. Right. He doesn't know he's adopted at this point. And I was nope. worried for a second that they were going to try and pull a, like, he was like born a, albino uh, or, like, right. something like that. But it's, it's already problematic. It could have been so worse. It's like um, a flypaper lean tar paper lean to shack in the bayou. And yep. his family's, like, what, six, six or seven? african-american actors big family big family dude they they are dressed like the cover like the elementary school cover of it looks this looks like the old vhs clamshell of song of the south yeah dude it's not it's not it's not okay it's pretty fucked up and the best part I swear to you, man, for the first 15 <laughs> minutes of this movie, I couldn't tell if Steve Martin was just like a simple, pure soul or if he was like mentally handicapped. Mentally, no, I, I was Naven worried for a second. Is, uh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, that's just the thing with Naven. It's like, I don't think that they knew starting up. I, I feel like the character of Naven sort of evolves as the story goes. Yeah. Because a lot of this was done, it was improv. A lot of this was based on Steve Martin's stand-up comedy. I was born a poor black child. Was actually a part of one of his first stand-up routines. Ah. So like that's sort of where that all came into play. But 
but yeah, it's like it, in the beginning, you're not sure if he's playing a mentally challenged person. I was so afraid, man. I was like, I don't know but if I'm going to be able to talk about this. Still, <laughs> and I couldn't remember. This is like my 40th watch, and I couldn't quite remember like the tone. But like, no, Naven is just a very simple right. soul. He's a very well-meaning individual, doesn't have a mean bone in his body. And it's just like he's an innocent, but he is sure. he he is men he, he just doesn't know a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. saying yeah, like his <laughs> right. his his what special purpose or whatever. Oh my god. He is oh my god. He's yep. he's got the mentality he's like this is like a this movie is like a if Mel Brooks directed Billy Madison kind of Yeah, exactly. Um, there so- is a lot of like like we would be struggling the same way. If we were discussing Blazing Saddles. Right, which is one of the reasons we haven't done it for the show yet, but still right. one of my favorite movies. Probably should talk Absolutely. about it at some point. Well, but it's, it brings up an interesting question, and um, we are both white dudes. For, for sure. <laughs> right, like very. Unlike Steve Martin, who was born a poor black <laughs> child, Carl. But he is also extremely white. Very white, yes. Um, so I feel like for some, you know, some of the stuff we we can speak to, but a lot of it we really are under um, qualified or sure. To, but I I just look at it from the from for for a movie like this made in 1979, I believe, right? Yes, correct. It's I kind of take the 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 take that the Disney has been bold and enough to take on like the releasing the Muppet Show. Right. They didn't. They didn't pull any episodes. They. they this is history. We're gonna put out a disclaimer because there are some things that are troubling and they. They are, um, from a different time, but there are some like we just watched an episode, like tonight as I was eating dinner that sure. we had to. I've got a stomach for. I can look through the lens of what has passed and like appreciate art for what it was as a product of its time. But I gotta tell you, there's there's some episodes of that show where we have to skip because it's so uncomfortable cringy. to watch and cringy. But I think that's important. I think that's the fucking point. If yeah. it wasn't cringy and uncomfortable, then we haven't we haven't we haven't improved we can't at learn. all. We haven't moved right. on. We, we right? can't learn from from what we can't see. You know exactly. And I think that. I know that it's an unpopular opinion, but I all the way back to when they were, you know, revising um, Mark Twain's early works. Yeah. You know, they were they were changing changing language there. And I felt that 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 sort of like covered over an uncomfortable spot where Mm -hmm. what we probably should have been doing was examining that uncomfortable spot and use it as a point of education. Absolutely. Um, right. This movie. It, uh, but this is a goofy fucking flick. I think what we should just say right up top is like, obviously, if you've seen The Jerk, right. there are parts of this movie that are very clearly racist. They just are. Yeah. Um, they I don't think now this sounds like a horror, like a stupid statement, but I don't think that this was that the, the racism in this movie is done mean spiritedly. I don't think so. I, I was I was going to say, yeah, I don't think any of it comes from a bad place or is mean spirited or is intended to harm. Or... Right. So I think that the best we can do is sort of talk about it like, oh, man, the things that they thought were goofy back then were right. kind of goofy, but, but it's that's... definitely problematic in parts. But it's also two white dudes saying that. Uh, sure. It's okay and not right. No, We're, I'm not like, saying it's, it's okay. Not my, I'm just... No, 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 no. I get it. It's 
But yeah, so as not a disclaimer, but just like we are very much aware. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This conversation. Yeah, I was like, all right, now I got to navigate it. I have to navigate a like we're going to have to talk around some stuff. No, nope, I don't think so. I think sure. it's, it's Okay, yeah. now here's the other thing though. Like, dude, some of this stuff and may I don't know, maybe this makes me a shitty person, but some of the jokes early on that are definitely like at least borderline, I was fucking <laughs> dying. Yeah, like I, I hate to say it, dude, but like Steve, what you realize once you realize that he's not mentally challenged, the joke is actually he can't keep time with rhythm and blues because he's a white guy. So he like yeah. he's snapping on the offbeat and he's stamping like a fuck. He, he just looks like like the biggest dingus you've ever seen, dude. Yes. Oh my god, he's a fucking dingleberry. Just stop. He's like thrashing around. It's it's a, right. Everyone else is in tune and he's just like <laughs> arms flailing. He's just out of his element. And uh, he you know he gets some presents like. I want you it's to his have birthday. My... Yeah. Right. At the... His story starts on his birthday, and they're like, I want you to have my Zippo lighter. And he bursts into tears and runs Dad, into Dad, you room. got that in the war. Right. <laughs> I love it. There, there's a recurring style of joke in here where if something fairly banal continues to happen, and then it keeps oh, going. Yes. There's so many moments of this that are like straight up family guy bits decades before family guy and you know that todd mcfarlane is a huge carl reiner fan you know oh, you can has see to it. be because this whole movie is one big non sequitur that just happens to be it's funny in dude. order when i first <laughs> when i first started watching does this that movie, make any sense don't do it all? completely it completely makes sense <laughs> when i i went in totally cold I, I hadn't watched any i i had a totally different concept of what this movie was going to be i thought it was going to be steve martin because planes trains and automobiles the scene where oh like, yeah i thought he was going to be just a dick it was going to be not nah, i didn't think it was going to be this like bumbling innocent character and when I went to the credits halfway through the film and saw that Carl Reiner directed, suddenly the movie makes sense. Like, that's the only key you need to ha- know. You're yep. like, oh, what's the jerk about? Directed by Carl Reiner. Carl, for those of you who don't know, Reiner is best friends with Mel Brooks. And this movie is like, it's like just left of a Mel Brooks joint, you know? It's a co- Yeah, he. it's like the cousin picture to insert Mel Brooks film here. It feels like a sister movie to... um. Uh, it, this is it's one of those. It kind of has that like planes, trains, and automobiles vibe mm-hmm. of funny sequence followed by funny sequence, but there's really not so much of a through line plot. It's, exactly. It's not a structure that you see much anymore. This is not a common um, type of. I was telling Bird like you don't see this kind of film where it's just like skit to skit to skit. You know, because that's just what it is. It's a it's an SNL sketch show that is tied together by a very loose story of a boy goes to the big city right it's like a weird problematic beverly more problematic beverly hillbillies with yeah exactly one person in the city yeah yeah but like dude so okay so early on when he he's snapping his fingers and can't keep beat and then he's laying in bed on his well no he goes to his bedroom and, and mama runs in and she's like, yep. she's like, oh, and what's his name? I'm sorry, Nevin? Navin. Navin Johnson. He comes in and he's like, you know, Navin, Navin. Oh, mama, doesn't it? It sometimes it just feels like I don't belong, you know. <laughs> and we get the, <laughs> Navin, uh, you're old enough. I think you're ready. You are not our biological child. <laughs> and he's like, he just looks fucking shocked. What? Yeah, but my girl. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then his brother comes in. Dude, his fucking. I, I wrapped his sandwich for you in cellophane, just the way you like it. I have this. Yeah, I mean, he goes. You want to come sing some blues? <laughs> I have a confession to make. Something about those songs, they depress me. <laughs> God damn it! Like, I'm no. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> like this. Mm-hmm. There's I it's I know it's a joke that's entirely predicated on race, but something about forty four year old Steve Martin, white hair, being comforted by his you know adopted mother and his his brothers trying to cheer him up. It, dude, have you seen movie forty three? I have not. Oh my god. Okay, so movie forty three felt edgy to me. Like this movie feels edgy. Like seventy nine. I would say this movie is every bit as like envelope pushing in 2021 as movie 43 felt to me the first time i saw it back in like 2012 or whenever it first came out it's like every joke is just every joke is like sharp and it's got a little barb in it you know what i mean like and i love that it it feels like like mitch hedberg stand up or no that's not right it feels like steve martin stand up yeah with a mel brooks slapstick you know undercurrent to it it's i fucking i adore it um what did you think about, like, when he goes to sleep and we hear the, grandma's listening to the radio, and it's like that old-timey Charleston bullshit, and he starts keeping perfect He's time He's tapping his toes. It, yeah, it's like the uh, Glenn Miller hour or something. <laughs> right, right. It's like big band music, and he's like, he, he's got the beat. He's figured it out. And he's so happy and excited. And he's, I, I would pay any amount of money to watch Steve Martin just dance happily around a room in the way that he does in this particular movie, just goofy totally. as shit. Cause he's so happy. He's found the rhythm and he's waking his family up. And I can't remember. I wish I could, I wish I'd looked up the, uh, the name of his band. We'll get it in one of these four episodes, but he's like an accomplished musician himself. Uh, yeah. Banjo player. Yeah. He's in a bluegrass band right. and they're yep. excellent. I, like, we have the album in the living room. I should actually just have Dan. I don't remember the name of the band off the top of my head. Yeah. Ditto. But like watching him, watching him snapping and then both hands and his feet are tapping together and you're like you're he's you can see some of that musicianship coming yeah, out. yeah. It's, it's really cool um so he decides that he's gonna go to the big city because <laughs> he he the the radio station is based in st louis right and if that's so he out wants there to, if that's out there what else could be out there Right, he he gets he gets a taste of the world outside the the ramshackle mosquito infested shack in the mud, and he's like, so he gets, oh my god, dude, this is one of those, this is this is that recurring bit again where it's like, you know, um, don't, what is it? What are the three things? It's like, don't trust Whitey. Oh, uh, d- go to the doctor and get rid of it. <laughs> see see a doctor and get rid of it. Get rid of it. And don't what, trust Whitey and oh my god what was the third one I know I can't remember the last one but like he's just start, he'll repeat lists of things it's right after the fun shit and shinola bit where he's like alright son there's one thing you what's that know. shit what's that shinola you gonna be alright you gonna be alright and then he <laughs> I, dude I love the little tag where he walks straight through the shit just steps yeah. flat in it with his bone <laughs> but um yeah so he's he's, he's he stands at the uh, the gate. I love that they like leave him at the gate and he's hitchhiking, but he's hitchhiking right outside of their house. You have a note about it? Lord Lord loves a working man. 
don't trust Whitey, <laughs> and see a doctor and get rid of it. Those are the three things. Right. All right, Lord loves a working man. Don't trust Whitey. See a doctor and get rid of it. I feel better now. Right, they all <laughs> they all go back inside, and he starts hitchhiking at the end of the gate. Now, I admittedly, I, ca- I kind of saw the little the tail end of this joke coming because – Oh, yeah. You you know immediate it's because it it feels like and I'm not taking anything away from Rob from sorry Carl Reiner but it feels like a Carl Reiner Mel Brooks joke it's got that like uh, it's got the stink to it yeah yeah there's a little stank on this on this curveball coming at us so we got the family sitting around the table I love when Dad's like push his chair up it's depressing to all of us and they just tip his chair up at the table and lean it on the table they don't remove it or anything. Um, and they're all like, I miss him. No, don't you worry. He's going to be all right. I wonder how he's doing. And that kid, the kid just leans out the kitchen window and he goes, hey, Naven, how you doing? I'm good. I think I see headlights. I see lights coming. It's like, it's like nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, pitch black. Steve Martin's standing at the end of the gate right outside the house, just hitchhiking. But then he reiners you with the joke because it goes one further. He gets picked up. He does. It is a truck. It is a it truck. It is a truck. And he, in fact, gets picked up. How far are you going? St. Louis. The end of this. St. Louis. How far, how far are, you are you going? About <laughs> the end of this fence. All right, I'll take it. Goes two feet, drops him off. Cut back to inside the house, which is that's what makes it a perfect joke. Sure. Because you hear him get out of the truck from inside, inside with the, the family quietly listening to all this happen. Right? <laughs> Thank you. I hope someday I'll be able to repay, I'll be able to repay your kindness. <laughs> and the look on Dad's face, like my son is an idiot. Right, he's like we're f- he's fucked. He's absolutely we shouldn't have let him go. But at this point, it would be embarrassing <laughs> to call him back. We gotta let this go. Oh my God! Um, so <laughs> when truck driver says St. Louis, he says no. David Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, later on when the when well, Rob Reiner picks him up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Rob Reiner picks him up. St. Louis, no. no David, David Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> Dude, one of my one of my first notes, one of my earliest notes when he gets to this, because we really quickly do kind of get him to St. Louis. We get him to the gas station real quick, which is where the most people know the gas station hates these can scenes. That's where, if you say the jerk, they picture him in the white gas station outfit. Right. Either the phone books here, the the he hates these cans. The I damn these glasses. Dude, Anyways, the the he hates these cans bit is so funny. But what what I was thinking was just when he first shows up at the gas station and he's like, I need to get. It's like it, the, the jokes are so absurd, but they all of them are this way. So it creates this mm-hmm. perfect internal logic where nothing feels too out of place. But honestly, like I need to use the bathroom. Well, you need a key. <laughs> how do I get the key? It's in there. Well, or, you know, it's 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 by, back behind the drawer. Well, how do I? OK, but it's only for paying customers. You need to buy some gas. Well, I'm, I'm going to buy some gas. I don't see a car. Fill up my lighter. <laughs> Gives him a Zippo. Zippo. And then he, when he goes in and gets the, like, honestly, the key is just on a, like, a rim. For it's a on a rim of a car. Yeah. So it shouldn't be, he shouldn't be dragging it behind him. He's like, it's so, it is. It totally is, like, overacting city. I wrote down this, I, I wrote down Steve Martin is, 
living in Clown City. You do not see this style of comedy anymore. But for somebody who grew up on Monty Python and the slapstick, and like this is this is somewhere between like the Three Stooges and all of the best Carl Reiner, Mel Brooks pictures and i keep bringing up mel brooks but that's only because we're doing two more carl reiner movies in this month who knew i totally forgot that they were even even such right so don't I love it don't worry listener you're gonna get plenty of of carl reiner's uh films coming up but like my god i what did you think of that that that's there's a specific like clownish tone that the... yeah so actually I was, I was trying to look something up while you were talking about that because i wanted to bring this up uh, because he is so over the top and has so much energy and is so clown-like that one of Danielle's first questions, because we've been watching a lot of older older comedies, and we're actually talking about Saturday Night Live in particular recently, where it's apparent when you watch some of those shows from the 1970s, like everyone is fucking coked out of their minds. Right. Everyone is on speed or doing some sort of drug. And... So so Danielle asked, I think it was like during that particular scene or when he's dancing early on in the movie. Sure. She's like, is, do you think, she asked, do you think that this is just naturally Steve Martin and how he is as an actor and a comedian? Or do you think he's like, is he high on something like doing this performance? And as far as I can tell is from, from the uh, <clears throat> deep amount of research that I've done, that he was one of the few clean um like comedians of the 60s and 70s, where he was actually afraid to even take aspirin for fear of seeing himself go down the paths of some of his friends who didn't fare so well. Sure. Um, from from having you know had some issues and and unfortunately not not making it. But yeah, there, I, I mean, thought there, there was are... an interesting like like because he is so over the top and he's so Steve Martin and it's just this his performance is so physical. Even the, the dragging of that rim with the key, there's a, so much going on. It's not just, all right, wouldn't it be funny if you had the key attached to this rim of a tire and you had to drag it because you're, you're Naven and that's what you would do. So he, but right. he doesn't just drag it. He's got this whole bit of give and take and pull with Quasi it. He's awkward. Moto, he's cocking his hip way out to one side. And yeah, he's that, like, totally. like his clothes, he's trying to keep his clothes on because they're slipping off of him because of the way he's carrying. And he's also carrying like, his belongings with him. Like there's so much going and that's throughout the entire performance in this and most of his movies are actually very that's one thing I love about Steve Martin is the comedy is so physical at times, but it's also so subtle and just in a performance moment with him as well. And it shines in this movie too. Um but anyway. No, so, no, yeah. definitely. Like uh, when he like I mean the bit God there's a like another example came to mind but it's kind of another uncomfortable chunk of the movie it's when he uh, when he he senses that the moment to kiss Bernadette Peters for the first time on the beach <laughs> and he goes for the kiss and it's they're just, fighting each other right she's like shoving dude this is some of and I yes it's again it's like one of those weird moments in this film where it's like. It almost feel it's almost got that straw dogs feeling of like yeah. she doesn't want it, but really she does want it, but she just can't because she doesn't want it, but she does actually want but it. But she does express that she does want she it. Does exp- That's the difference, right? But is I don't know, like, and we don't have to. It's it's the jerk. No, we don't have to, it's yeah. the jerk. It's not. We're not. It's like not the Criterion edition of the jerk. No. But like you know, you gotta wonder. Like, is that 
how much of that do we give to the film and the fair enough because the... it is playing it is playing on the idea of that being a problem right so right yeah like um it, this is the, we were i was actually this is one of the things we were talking about on cassandra's show in scream one of the major plot points of that is Oh, the girlfriend. Sydney won't give it up. Sydney won't give it up. And you're like, oh, yep. man, that is an uncomfortable nexus for your story. And when... it's the entire, it's the pivotal thing. Well, we think it is. It's, it's, but then again, like we were talking at the beginning of this episode, like moments in history and like historical. Yeah. I, I don't think, honestly, I don't think this subplot's ever going to go away. We're just going to find ways to make it a little more subtle so that people aren't as uncomfortable with it. But, dude, sure. the subplot of like, guys got mega bad blue balls just dying to get sex it's in a weird way it is okay the guy can be respectful about it and be like no i'm not going to pressure Mm -hmm. you this is something that i have to deal with i have you know hormones and stuff i'm going crazy i'll i'll find a way to deal i'll just coach jerk one out it'll be fine i'll handle this i'm gonna respect your boundaries Mm -hmm. that's the correct way to do it but dude we all remember high school where you're just like driving to school humping the bottom edge of your fucking steering wheel because you're just every single like a gland in your I was body terif- i was terrified to like accidentally fall asleep during science class for fear that i might start like having a wet dream in class like, right yeah, yeah. like it's if a- you if you blink too long you might come in your pants uh, and, and, like oh! any moment chemistry dude all the, those strings of chemical com- my yep. god it's like that's being 14 15 years old is miserable yeah dude chem- it was miserable when you are that <laughs> horny and keyed up chemical equations are too close to a to french it's ninety nine percent of the time you're one hot breath away from semen coming out of you. <laughs> you're, you're consistently sticky around yeah. around the buttons and class. Constant area. state of pre cum, just like <laughs> it's like your sweat has an extra viscosity to it. Yeah, because there's no other place for it to come out. I'm watching movies that aren't even remotely like sexual. I'm just like oh. no, like. Like all right, like the bravest toaster, and I'm just like, I'm gonna fuck a toaster today. Oh, that brave little toaster made it all the way to Mars. <laughs> and then you, I'll close... make it to Mars. I'll show that toaster <laughs> who's boss. Dude, you're watching, you're watching Annie Hall, and you're like, I could make this work if it wasn't for Woody Allen's voice. And just <laughs> mute it, you know. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Anywho. What I'm, what I'm saying is, it's a fucking, it's a very, it's a hilarious bit of physical comedy. Yes. Of just like, st- in a, my God. So it's kind of funny because the next movie we're going to talk about is the same exact plot, dude. It is the exact, <laughs> but so much more like I know, obtuse. It's so, and- it's so different. It's so much different. But, but it's, but this situation. Not obtuse another word Obsc- that means it's more uh it's in your it's more um in your face about it it's, it's very o- much more overtly. sexualized and overt yeah oh my I god mean. um dude and in this one in the jerk I-, I love the length of the arc of the bernadette peters character yeah isn't it interesting i was thinking about that too because like th- how go ahead no I- well i was gonna say you i you f- it feels like when he's in the bathtub and he's like, I'm going to propose, and he's singing, and he's, who's the happiest man in the world? And she's you, like, you are. are. Tears streaming down her face. Um, you think that this is 
the, you know, the time they meet till the time they get married to this time in the tub is fairly short. Ten minutes of screen mm-hmm. time, maybe. That's yep. just short enough that this could be a bit in like a Forrest Gump storyline. So you expect that when she walks out that door, that's the last time we ever see Bye, her. Bye, that. Yep. And yet... By the end of the movie, we end up with, like, Bernadette, Peters, Steve Martin, love story. The whole family gets back together. Like, I love the fact that she comes back. Because, first of all, can we be real? Bernadette Peters has, Mm. dude, she's, like, golden age Hollywood gorgeous. And she's she's the best of Hollywood, the best of, like, uh, Broadway at the time. Just Bernadette is royalty in my fucking opinion as far as her comic timing on yeah. the when they're first of all, and her voice is phenomenal dude when they when they sing that duet that duet that's a a truly heartwarming moment gorgeous. that made makes me want to fucking cry because they're both in earnest when they do it even right. when she pulls out the coronet and has a bit of a fucking horn solo the like trump, it's goofy it's a trumpet, man she, the cor- yeah it's a coronet, it a coronet? Yeah, what's he difference? even says it. What's the difference between it's a coronet and a trumpet? The uh, the length of tubing and it has it's in a different uh, tuning as well. Tubage and tuning. Tubage and tuning. All right. Tubage so, and tuning. Dude, when she when she rocks out the rocks out the solo, and the solo like goes on a little bit mm-hmm. too. Like there's a moment where Steve Martin like looks down at the fire and then she comes back in with like. And he like slowly turns back like very well. I'll I will watch the end of this performance. And there's that like long last lingering note, and then she puts it down. It's every joke, and it never got tiresome for me. But every joke gets an extra little like flick. It's like every joke flicks the bottom of your balls one more time. Because it's not. But then it's never the end of the joke because when that joke settles, Steve Martin says, "You know, as you were playing that solo, I imagined that I." Went into the bell of your coronet and through the tubing there and and went through the mouthpiece and gave you a kiss. So it's it's like well, it's keeping. Why didn't keep, you? I didn't want to get spit on. Me. I didn't want didn't want to get spit on. <laughs> <laughs> the joke just keeps going. Keeps going. It's dude. It's it, it's brilliant. It's so brilliant. It's like. It's like the movie equivalent of like lighting a cigarette off the butt of the last cigarette, and yep. you basically end up with a film that is one continuous joke. Yep, hilariously funny. It pretty much is. Like, it's if we can go back to the gas station. I don't know where I, we yeah, are. Yeah, no, I do. My next note is um, the stolen credit card bit, which I think oh, is... Mrs. New- Mrs. Newsbomb's credit card. <laughs> Mrs. Newsbomb's credit card. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. No, what... <laughs> I've got them taken care of. <laughs> I've I saw this on a lot of movies. Um, sorry, I saw this on an episode of Matlock or whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, so you wanted to jump back to the gas station. What do you? Oh, got? so it, in in keeping with that that this chain chain smoking the the jokes in this. Right. It's all that uh, he when uh, Mister not Mister Newsbomb, but oh my god, I forgot the. Um, the name of the gas station, the, his his first boss in St. Louis of the gas station. Oh, anyway, I, I don't, okay. yeah, yeah, I, I don't remember. remember what his name is. Um, but uh, he realizes that Navin has been sleeping uh, underneath one of the cars, so he's like, "Let me go ahead and and I, I got I got something better than that for you. Come on over and I'll show you where to <laughs> go sleep." That's horrible. Um, 
But he and the joke is that they go into the restroom. Right. As as he's fumbling for his keys to get into the room where Naven's gonna stay, Naven thinks that the bathroom is the room that he's gonna rent him. Right. And he and he doesn't just and the joke the joke is the joke is Oh, I think this this bathroom is the room I'm gonna be staying in. Oh, it isn't. It's this other room. Oh, isn't that funny? That's the joke. Right. But right. the joke is eight fucking jokes Dude. in that bathroom. Right. I could put the I could put the bookshelf here. No. If I do that, I can move this over here, and they'll give a two level effect. It just keeps going My, and keeps going. I love the flow bit where he's like, he's like, oh, you know what? I could take I could take this wall, push it back. That creates a sort of flow into the living area. No. I can be over here sitting in my chair while the customers can use the bathroom. Right. <laughs> he's still accommodating the customers coming in to use it. And then he, he's like, no, scratch that. We're just going to take this wall all the way across and the books go there. And I still retain the flow. And I'm like, and then he goes, Naven, Naven. It's not here. It's in here. And he opens, he opens he this like. He I couldn't afford this place anyways. Yeah, and he's laughing. <laughs> he's laughing. He's like, right, right. I couldn't, I couldn't afford this place anyways. They go in and he goes, and it's a fucking supply. It's like a machine supply shop closet. supply closet in the back. Just like machine parts, no windows, dim ass, half, like. Big half empty bags of corn seed or whatever. Right, just like, lie. Like, lies all over the floor. Like, 30 watt bulbs just buzzing, dead flies on everything. And he's like, here it is. Naven, this is even better. <laughs> but the joke keeps I don't going. Have, he's like, I don't have to change, have to change anything. About this. <laughs> he's like, how much will it cost me? Uh, when you're rich and famous, just send me a postcard. And you think that's the end of it, but you realize that the joke is still going. Yeah, for because like, Naven is considering postcard, eh? Yeah, an hour hmm. and twenty minutes later, that joke resolves. It's a joke. No shit. When he sends him a fucking when postcard, he sends him well, a postcard. I told him to send me, and he did. <laughs> yeah, he's like the boys got principles or whatever. He's- yep. <laughs> I love it when, God, he, but- when he sums up the room and he though and he goes, "Well, you know, he, you got it all." No toilet, no bathroom, no bed, no windows. I'll get some brighter lights in here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) God, but that is this movie, and that's why it is so fucking brilliant. It's it's one, you understand what the bit is, what the gag is, what the joke is. Right. But they find a way in every single one of those micro sketches to kick that fucking horse, even after it's dead. But it doesn't matter because it's still funny. Right, right. It, it's they they. It's like a game of kick the can. Yeah. But dude, everyone is so good at kick the can that it's just like they're always moving that thing yep. down the road. It's outstanding. Like the number of this is that old school to talk about SNL again. Like this is that old school Saturday Night Live you, when you hear like Dan Aykroyd talking about what it was like to be like writing. Yeah, on Saturday Night Live back in the day, and I, I we mentioned earlier, like Dan Aykroyd famously said, like why those skits are all so funny is they would work on them for like sixteen hours a day because there's just plates of cocaine lying around the yeah. SNL offices, black coffee, cocaine. There's marrow, you know, a cigarette smoke. Everyone's smoking like ten ten packs of cigarettes, doing coke, drinking coffee, and they're like, how do we? No, no, no. This bit is hilarious, but we got to add one more turn. How do we yep. make this line hit? that much more like this is like micromanage this is just this is twisting and tweaking and prodding and 
fucking every every line every beat every how every joke dovetails into other jokes how can you collapse them together how can you call back a joke at what point is it too long where they won't remember what we're calling dude this is so for as loose and improvisational as it feels this style of humor is so like workshopped and so beautifully edited it's this is like um economy of con of comedy you know what i mean not yeah, not a lot not a joke wasted dude it's it's, so it's funny. not every movie that you you watch where you get a throwaway joke where a man names his dog shithead and then carries that joke through for the rest of the movie right, <laughs> right. dude they're like there's a fire there's a fire like even that bit is pretty funny but the it becomes even funnier when you realize that the whole purpose of it is to call the dog shithead the entire reason that whole bit is there is to get the dog's name shithead oh my god it's so funny i my i was just looking at my notes like to this movie goes well beyond the bounds of reality several oh, times like it's a cartoon it's it's not even i mean close to the real world after the stolen credit card i've got so that must be that big v8 and that chevy then <laughs> when they're literally dragging a church down the highway yeah. with people in it uh, yes, yeah, so they'll be they'll be driving a blue Chevy. Uh, uh, it's dragging a small church. So it'll be easy to spot because it's the uh, only blue Chevy dragging dragging a small church. So that's the one you're gonna want to pull over. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god! Just like the, I re- that you know what? That's another thing that I was shocked by in this movie: the sheer number of giant set pieces like the the dragging church where you've got people inside the church there's people on the yep. other side of the church they were in the middle of a worship service there's 30 people in I that think, church yeah wasn't it a wedding yeah yeah there was yeah, a wedding they're in going the middle on. of a wed- wedding going on like the groom because is... you have half of the half of them are still in the part of the church that's right. being dragged down the street <laughs> right. yes. it's like the groom's side is being dragged down the street oh inside the God. church still Dude, you know, I I was just thinking like there's another another bit of this which I honestly think is maybe my for me the funniest part of this movie. My favorite joke in here is M Emmett Walsh's <laughs> the, the, dude the fucking phone book bit is so funny. The, oh my a, god. A truck yeah. shows up at the gas station and um you know, uh Naven's been in town long enough that he's got a phone number. He has a place of residence, so he gets to be in the phone book. So when the phone book shows up, he runs it's over. A big fucking deal. It's I, a big deal, man. It is. He's like he's like my name's in print. Things are going to start happening to, me, to now. me now. And we cut to this dark room and it's fucking a sweaty... Michigan militia dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> It's like he's like it was either gonna be this guy or the governor, but he's yep. just—it's just M- Emmett Walsh, just his face all bulldog, just God. He sweat. looks like an old ham sandwich. It's, it's like the just... smell of an old bean can, you know, like. <laughs> and he it looks like the smell of an old, but you are not wrong. That's what he looks like, and he—it's just—he looks like he looks like heart failure. <laughs> Oh, dude, but he looks, but he looks so good, though. You know, I know. Like, 
it's when you said with all the love because i fucking love this i love him when you get this character you need this level of yes of of (laughs) disgusting you know commitment is what i was gonna say but disgusting works too when he he just like flips through the phone book and boom puts his finger down Naven Johnson, Johnson sounds like a real asshole. Sounds like a real asshole. And then uh, this is where we get the this guy hates cans bit where <laughs> M. Emmett Walsh pulls up across the street from the gas station just on some random day a few days later. And we'll call it a Thursday. A Thursday, yeah. And uh, he starts he starts shooting at Naven, but he's an active shooter. Right. Right. He's gone to like, to commit a random act of violence, you know? And he, but dude, the bit of him trying to get Naven in the crosshairs and him muttering to himself, just damn random average Joe run of the mill (laughs) bastard. (laughs) Just, he's, he's all pissed at him for being like a normal random guy that he, like, He's mad at him because he was so normal that he was able to pick his name out of a phone book. He's like, I picked you at random, goddamn random average Joe. And there's another customer there who will come back later. Who, yes. Who is this guy? It's uh, fucking, is this the, oh, I can't remember. Uh, he's, he sells a bunch of shit. I think it's Carl Gottlieb, but I'm not positive. <laughs> I, make, I make a bunch of money selling shit like this. Yeah. I got a whole trunk full of shit to sell. <laughs> So like this, this funny dude shows up, but my favorite bit is how he keeps getting in the way of Naven and Emmett Walsh starts cursing at him. He's like, God damn average guy, average Joe run of the mill bastard getting in the way of me shit targeting a random average Joe run of the mill victim. (laughs) But dude, it's the dialogue. Like it's, you know what it feels like? It feels like if it feels like the people who wrote the Ghostbusters wrote a whole like a it's it's like a very adult more risque ghostbuster style humor yep. in the best way man absolutely because it is so like it, it has a surreal nature to it because it is not it's not working within the realm of reality at all no not in the slightest but, but it's playing it's playing in in the you know exactly what i don't know it's so it's genius is what it is, Max. I had a lot of fun watching it. I'll be I'll be totally honest. Even with the the moments throughout where you're like, ah, God, it's like a perfect Ugh. storm of stuff that w- reads differently now. This is one of those movies. Well, that- even this scene is problematic. I mean, it's like an active shooter isn't quite as funny as it nope. used to be. No, man. Which sounds weird to say anyways. I know. Like When was that funny? In 1979, the the... The lone wolf, you know, the random yeah. nut job. Like, I think part of, on a more serious note, I think in a way this this can also be good though because, that you know, we always say like humor can take the teeth out of like actual fear or whatever. Like, right, laugh at the darkness. And now we live in a country where there's like you know we have to deal with mass shootings. At you know at the time of this recording. I saw a Washington Post headline that said, like, mm-hmm. um, a grim sign that the world might be returning back to normal is there are shooters. now, a, yeah, there's now enough mass gatherings allowed again that mass shooters have targets again. And, and we just mm-hmm. had a, another recent mass shooting. And it's fucked. You know, like, and now in 2021, this is like, this is one of the huge issues that we're dealing with, uh, with all of the other stuff that's on the plate. Like, 
In 2021, yeah. a guy with a gun is, you know, committing a random act of violence in a public place is really not that funny. Unless right. you're Carl, Carl Reiner and Steve Martin. Emmett Walsh is your shooter. So. Dude, I'm, I, I don't know what it is, but like on its face, it's not funny. But because right. it's laughing at something that we're all scared of now. Yeah. That it's kind of it's kind of heartening to see someone, you know, make a clown out of it, even if only yeah. for a moment. You know, you see it on the news and that's just a that's just a terrible day that's just a tragedy kind of give yeah it kind of gives you not ownership of it for a period of time but you kind of take back the it's not agency but it's something like you you're able to to have some sort of grasp on it again where it's not as frightening as as what's the harry potter spell where the like scary thing comes out of the closet and then they Oh yeah, ridiculous. the Yeah, there you go, spookity or whatever. In a weird way, man, this is this is Carl Reiner doing the ridiculous enchantment on mm-hmm. a mass shooter for us all at home to like be look, look, isn't he just look how silly this guy is? And and let's mm-hmm. we can laugh at this for a moment, you know, like it. I thought it, I honestly think it's super fucking funny. Yeah. He's just standing there, and and M. Emmett Walsh is shooting again and again and again, and he's missing. That's another reason that this is funny and not like if he'd gotten winged and they tried to make it right. funny. No one gets hurt. No one gets hurt. Well, a lot of cans get fucking. There, um, a moment out. of silence for all of the uh, cans that did not make it to the end of the shoot. And there it was. There it was. <laughs> but I did like, hey, come and look at these cans. They're defective. They're just bursting full of holes. Like it's just like bullet after bullet pounding into these oil cans. Not defective cans is a defective person. Right, there's a defective person over there. He's trying to put holes into you. And he goes and he goes, Oh my god. He's he's so <laughs> mad at these cans. Stay away from away the cans. From cans. <laughs> he starts he goes running. He hides behind a Coke machine. Dude, it's there's the cans Car- in there. It's the it's the Carl Reiner joke yes, that never this- ends. This bang, is the bang. Mel Brooks. This is that Mel Brooksy Carl Reiner. Everywhere he runs, there's fucking cans. Bang, bang, bang! He shoots the Coke machine. There's cans in there. Runs over to the display window and he's standing in front of a bunch more of more cans. Yeah, a bunch of cans of wax or whatever. More cans. <laughs> runs away. And the other mechanic, he's like, he's trying to put fill hole, fill you full of holes. And he goes, I'll distract him. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> When he fucking gets in that whatever the hell it is, that Impala or whatever, and it's just, and he drives it off the blocks, and it's just its rims, it's four rims, and he's just <laughs> driving down the street on a car, and it's rims at, like, five miles an hour. <laughs> I was fucking dying on my couch. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, it. I don't know why. I don't know why. Like, my face hurts so much. Just from the mm-hmm. sheer amount of laughter of watching him. You know what it was? Dude, okay, there's no way that Will Ferrell is not a fan of, like, early Steve Martin. Like, these, these this era Steve Martin movies. I'm sorry, but any cast member yeah. of SNL post-1970, is Steve Martin is required fucking viewing. Steve Martin was only a guest. He wasn't a cast member. Or was he a cast member? But he he's like uh, he holds a record for most hosted episodes, like him and Alec Baldwin. But whatever. I believe but like, it, man. Yeah, he's. But that that man has been on the SNL stage more than anyone else. <laughs> like it, the comedic the comedic sensibility 
this this moment in the car rolling on the rims the dog runs down the street and jumps in the car the car's going five miles an hour getting sprayed with bullets this to me is a ricky bobby like you can almost hear will ferrell as ricky bobby like i'm gonna distract him come on dog we gotta get going dog like you can see you can hear that like breathless mm-hmm. that breathless will ferrell slash steve like he's He's bar- he's he's borrowing. He's homaging Absolutely. that Steve Martin performance, dude. It's a, it's so fucking funny. And after the after the shootout, because that's the second big like like action set piece we've seen. The yep. church gets dragged away. Then we have the shootout with the cans in the window and the car driving on the the rims. And then we get the um. It's very shortly here after that we get into the. Uh, the carnival, oh, right? The carnival, yep. yeah. Because gets... the hotel is like a super quick thing for him to get the dog, him to find shithead. Right, right. And then we're and then we're at the carnival or the 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 gas station. The yeah. shooter chases him to carnival. To the carnival. Only. That's right. That's right. He can't go there. He's not carnival personnel. Yeah, the shooter, the shooter stops doesn't at the gate. cross the line. <laughs> he respects the law as far as that's concerned. Right. He stops and he goes, "Damn!" And then they show a sign that says "carnival personnel only." Gets out and goes on foot. And you're like dude it's so funny um but when he goes in and he ends up at the carnival this is where we get in we get very quickly introduced to catlin adams the fucking motorcycle stunt woman this the lady on fire dude this movie has got yeah this is literally portrait of lady on fire to the jerk but like (laughs) dude we get we get like a cool shootout we get a cool like giant car like car chase thing and now we're getting fucking top here motorcycle stunt work mm-hmm. this is pretty cool like the dirt bike driving the the stunt drive up over the um up over the vw bug that's pretty freaking sweet the crap we see what three flaming wall of death stunts mm-hmm. and the first one the stunt person goes off the back of the bike halfway through the flaming wall of death actually if you if you run it back slow and again there they actually have a um a tether on the back, they're actually pulled from the bike. Right to like, oh, to like yank them off when they hit us. To yank them bike. off, yeah. So I think that stunt was supposed to have, maybe worked slightly differently, uh, but yeah, it's you, they are definitely hooked to some sort of cabling, to like pull them off. I don't know if it's a safety feature or whatever, but I found that very because it's something very weird about the first motorcycle through the way that that. The way the way the that Patty finishes. falls off. Yeah, it's just a little bit. Ooh, that was a rough run. But she gets up and like, right, throws her helmet, yep. puts her hands up. Like, dude, okay, I, t- give me your thoughts on Patty. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were talking about sexual awakening earlier, <laughs> being a 13, 14, 15 year old young Carl Hartley. Um, so yeah, uh. I, I I really I really like I really liked that when I was when I was a young man. Dude, I was a. I was like I wanted my special purpose to to be, to be Patty to be <laughs> to be Patty. Yeah, dude, her fucking. I had a type for a long time. It was Patty. Oh my god, dude! Like for everything from like she's just such a badass chick, and she, there's definitely. Like by the end, they ramp the characters like oh very much cruel, yeah. cruel like psychotic nature way up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's one point where I think we see her in like an SS officer's hat where she's yes, like, she's got like the the Nazi cap on. Um, but right, but before that, dude, she's just like she's like stunt guy Mike. 
you know. Pretty much. He's Stuntman Mike. Stuntman Mike from... Uh, the Dirt Bike Edition. The Sexual Awakening. Yeah, um, no shit. Dude, like, her, her confidence, the level of confidence where she's like, when she pulls up next to him, she's he's like, I was just a big fan of your work yesterday. She's like, yeah, yeah, turn around and do this. Humping motion. Hump, hump, hump. And yeah, he's like, he does the, He does like, and she goes, you'll, you'll do. do. <laughs> Get on. Throws him on the back of the bike. Dude, this is like Tarzan throwing Jane over the shoulder. This is Neanderthal. Very much. Drags back to her cave. She can get, wow, what a what an amazing place. You know, I feel like you can really learn a lot about people from your from their spaces. And I mean, your space tells me you were a genuinely dirty person. Really dirty person. <laughs> That's such a good joke. That's one of my favorite lines of the entire fucking movie. You can tell a lot about a person by their environment. I can tell you're, you're genuinely, genuinely dirty, dirty person. <laughs> And it's because he's like he's doing this nervous talking where he's just talking to fill space. Right, right. Then, but that's the resolution. Is it's like you're genuinely a dirty person. He's got a half a corn dog in his. He's hand. just like fl- a floppy half eaten corn dog, a... holding her fucking helmet in his other hand. Where should oh I? Oh my god! Where should I put this? She slaps it out of his hand onto the bed. He goes, "Oh, that's where that goes." <laughs> <laughs> He looks around the house and he goes, where's your garbage can? And she throws the corn dog on the floor or the table. She yep. just throws the corn dog on the table and he looks at it like, oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, and then, dude, we get the, oh, we in the jungle, the night of jungle, the night. Dude, the, the, I love a good trailer rocking, car rocking sidecar yeah. rocking you give me a anything that's that's even a, a house shaking back you give me yep. something shaken to represent fucking it's so quaint i'm in yep. i'm in because especially you don't get that anymore you don't no. get the the trailer rock the no it's and it's we classic. get it a couple we get it several times in this movie to represent we, the and, the love being made. One of the best uses of the the the, the rocking table or, or the I'm sorry the table the rocking bed is I think Ace Ventura, yeah. honestly when yes. you have the birds heads going but back eep, and forth. Eep, eep, but like the thing that I love about a good rocking trailer is this: you can watch it. You, you can watch it with your grandparents. You can be in yep. the same. You can be sitting with your grandparents, and the trailer starts rocking, and everyone looks at each other, and everyone <laughs> nudges you to get an old nudge in the ribs. <laughs> no one has to awkwardly like uh, excuse themselves to uh oh i need a refill of tea right oh can't be around mother during this raunchy sequence it's just a fun old good time and yet at the same time you know the only way you know the kind of nasty ape sex you need to be having to make something shake like that they are Fucking in there like borderline criminals. They certainly aren't cleaning the floors, Max. No, that place is only that place might end up cleaner just because the, just the because trash they're... will have dissolved under the friction of their sweating. It'll all have moved to one <laughs> corner. <laughs> oh my god! And you just you know that Patty, you know Patty's got that like mm. the secret twister move. You know. Oh my she, god! The half, oh, she the half whirlwind. She's able to like, like tooth, tooth 
toothpaste tube the rest of it out it's less sex and more like a soul removal service you know what i mean yeah (laughs) i felt really uncomfortable saying toothpaste tube i knew i knew exactly i saw the technique in my head right for sure and it's you know it involves like the backs of her hands it's some weird like she learned at siberian prison like you you call it the poltergeist (laughs) Because you can feel it coming out, but you don't see anything. And this house is clear. This house is clear. I've the Star Trek. I've Namor to give. You know, like it's. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, Patty's pretty sexy. Let's be real. Yeah. No, dude. Like, it's so crazy because, like, I'm. I saw. I saw a meme. The Jesus Christ. The other year. I saw a meme. But it was um, that the, my sexual awakening or my sexual um, preference is defined by the cast of the original Mummy movie. Like, all of the characters in the Mummy. Kind of with you. Attractive for Wait, different reasons. Which like, original Mummy movie? Brandon Fraser. Brandon Fraser one. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, like, every, all, every single one of the main characters attractive for different reasons. Oh, my God. And just like, I would. Maybe except huh. for Benny. Not Benny. Yeah. Maybe not Benny, Maybe. but I want to go like have a bunch of drinks with Benny and play pinball. Yeah, for sure. But, but like I feel like Bernadette and Caitlin Adams are very much like counterpoints. Two counterpoints for me, dude. Like I don't know. Yeah, I'm a perfect. Just yeah. They. Yeah. I I the them together. If you mash them together, it's the perfect woman. You know. Yeah. It's like yeah. the it's like the lady. Who's you know she's she's got a little bit of that Catherine Hepburn sass mm, to her. Yeah, she's got a little a little bit of transatlantic. She's tough as nails. She wears pants with pockets. Yeah, she can play a coronet. And then yeah. the other chick is like covered in tattoos, and she will do stuff to you that just shakes your. Fe- it makes you an atheist in just knowing yep. that it exists on Earth, and you come buckets. Mm-hmm. She you know turns I mean? you into a god only for a few mortal moments. Right, and then casts you into the pits of hell, mm-hmm. and you're just, you revel in the flames. And then you get on her motorcycle and you drive into the sunset. Carl, I had a lot of... <laughs> to sing a duet together. Yes! My god. Perfect. It's perfect. 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 I don't know if you can tell, I had a lot of, I had a lot of feelings about no. this film. <laughs> My God! Oh my God! I'm sorry. I keep mixing them up now, but I just remember the scene in the man with two brains when he's holding his hat in front of his lap, and then he lifts his hands up and his hat stays there, and he walks away with it over his dick. Oh my God! Steve, have you? Oh, we can't talk about that. No, we can't. No, we can't. It's coming. Because like, have you got? Have you gone to the part yet where he makes the pina colada, the umbrella drinks in the laboratory? No, no. There's. Oh my God! The umbrella, the umbrella drinks in the fucking jerk though are. Okay, wait. We gotta. Keep oh my going. god, um, the di- I know the, the letters. The letters home. The the letter he sends home after he meets Patty. Like, mom, I have I have found my special <laughs> purpose. I I wish that you all could have been there with me. Maybe someday, though. Like, dude, the like even the jokes inside the letter are like one line. I love them. that mom doesn't get the joke. Like, the only one that understands what he's talking about is his older brother. Right. And he's like he's like having a hard time. Keeping it together, especially when it's like, um, well, I have be making some more, some more money soon. Right, right. With I might all, have more money to send. I anyway. have more money to send with all the extra work. My fan, my, 
I'll, I'll send more money soon as I might have opportunities for extra work. My friend Patty promised me a blowjob. Your loving son, Nathan. Oh, and he's got the kisses here. And the mom points yep. at like the X's and O's at the end of the letter, and the brother's just trying not to yeah, crack. Taj is dying. Fucking dad. I'm. Oh, what's his name? Richard Ward. Yeah, Richard Ward yeah, plays he's, the dad. He credit his father, but Taj, the older brother, is dying. Well, right. Yeah. Taj is dying, but dad goes. That Patty must be a must be a real gr- <laughs> must be a real sweetie of a girl or whatever the fuck. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's a good boy. Right. Oh my god, it's just oh because he sends him the two bucks. Yeah, it's yeah. So funny. Oh my god. Um, have you seen? And then when we this is where we finally meet Bernadette Peters for the first time after yes. he's already met Patty and Patty's. That's been, right because he's he's running the 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 choo choo train. train for the little the little kids ride and she comes there looking for what we assume is her son but we find right. out she's just babysitting. Have you seen a little kid with uh with a shirt with bullshit written on it? No, no, I saw one earlier that had a shirt that said "Life sucks" on it, but. <laughs> It's hard to miss. He's got blonde hair. He's wearing a T-shirt that says bullshit. That says on bullshit it. on it. <laughs> oh my god! And when we so we get an on-foot train chase, which is fine. It's what it is. Yeah. But dude, oh god! There's so many moments in this movie. I'm telling you, where you're just like, oh god, you just cringe a little. And this is one of them. When you you know they're oh yeah, they're kind of like. They're kind of just there's that chemistry between them. You see the sparks happening, and he's like, yep. "Would it be, would it be too much of me to ask as my reward for a kiss?" She's like, "No, I don't think it'd be too much at all." So Steve Martin bends down and kisses the kid on the cheek. <laughs> he sits up. He's like, "He's a little Spitfire." This, this <laughs> woo, that, that little whippersnapper. Yeah, I had, you sure had me going there, you know. <laughs> and she's uh. So she leans forward and gives him a kiss on the cheek. And then this is the thing that this movie does again. Cup of pizza. Sorry, I just noticed. I just saw my note a cup of pizza. So Best cup of pizza. This guy ran the other cup of pizza place out of business. <laughs> yeah. Best you're going to find in these parts. But um, this is that thing that this movie does again and again where this moment where he like kisses the kid on the cheek, like watching it, I was like, mm. you know, that feels weird. But then. There's something about the next bit of the performance where he's just like he's his words begin to fail him and he's like, I was wondering if you know this this weekend you might want to go on a little and he's just like what what I want to go ball down on a date and she's like, are you asking if You're I want to go out on a date with me? Yeah, and that's where it's just noise. It's just and she goes. Once for no, <laughs> twice for yes. And he goes, he stops, stops twice like a horse. Dude, come on. High five. And oh. her reaction is one of the sweetest and most endearing things. She says sort of to herself very quietly, you're cute. Right. It's dude. That's such a yeah. great. Oh, you're cute. It's such a great moment. And then she's she's like, yes. Yeah, so it's in that moment that you fall in love with Bernadette Peters. 100%. 100%. With right along with Steve Martin. Yeah. You know, like. Yep. I was a little, I'll admit, like, I was a little sad to see Patty go, but I think Carl Reiner does a good job of making you not like her by having yep. her beat Steve up a couple times. Absolutely. You're ready to, you're ready to move on. You're ready for him to move on. Patty was fun. 
I got no yeah. problem that dude, no sh- no problem with Patty, but you know I learned what an orgasm felt like. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I uh I spackled myself to my couch just when yeah. just watching her drive through fire, honestly. That did it for me. Um <laughs> but no, like you know, watching watching Bernadette Peters throw the the double handed Indiana Jones punch mm-hmm. to Patty's, you know, takes right her, her out, spins her into the wall. She hits the deck, and I think it's. I think we should point out. I I honestly think Naven maybe there's some some. Oh, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be doing this, but he's being a little shitty here. He kind of is. He's double dealing for sure. Yep. And he knows he's doing it. Too. Well, he does. Yeah, because he doesn't tell he doesn't tell Mar- uh, Mary that or Marie right Mary that he has a girlfriend. Marin. He a- he asked Marin. Father Marin. <laughs> Gaddis. <laughs> he he asks her pointedly if she has a boyfriend. Right. And, and tags that point a couple of times, but doesn't doesn't bother. To let on well, that, that he a has a girl- question completely. He's yeah. like, well, so he is. He of... may be soft and a little bit sweet, but he's not. He's playing a fucking game here for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, but you know, after the breakup, after, you know, when their dinner of cup of pizza is fucking <laughs> interrupted by a motorcycle driving up into the trailer, which in itself is kind of a cool stunt. A dirt bike drives right up to the table. That was pretty. With sweet. two people in it that's yeah, pretty cool i kind of dug that um so we go from that to that duet that we'd alluded to earlier and mm. this is one of the few moments in the movie like this is that old hollywood thing where we're clearly in a musical number yes very obviously the vocals have been 80 yard they're singing yep. in the studio they're not on the beach you, you can just tell the, the quality of the sound changes and that in itself was so quaint to me Mm-hmm. Dude, I dug it. I. It's because it's right about almost exactly the halfway point of the movie, yeah. where they're singing on the beach, and it's such a perfect. I mean, you can look at this as being just a goofy comedy. It's a bunch of sketches thrown together with a very loose timeline and very loose structure, but it's also super smart and well structured. We have this very quiet, and for a moment. A beautiful scene between these two people, and it's very sincere, and it's being—it's t- taking itself seriously. It turns into a joke later, and then we're into the second half of the movie. It's such a cool transition from Act One to Act Two in this like two-act film. Right, definitely. Yeah, it's it's the it's the gem. It's sort of the mm-hmm. gem that links, you know, the the, the yeah, it's the cherry on top, right in the middle of the movie. I, I love the duet. It's totally beautiful. Um, I like our I like our weird little like decline too that comes in the sort of the aftermath of it when they're mm-hmm. laying in bed next to each other, you know. And then we get, dude, this is there's a video that my buddy Brandon sent to me one time, and it's I he's gonna be he'll never listen to this, but he'll be he would be so pissed that I can't remember the name of it, but it's like a, a WWF um performer doing math on his opponent's chances of winning. Oh my god. It reminds me of this scene so much when he's like, Hey, are you awake? She just like (laughs) lays there and she doesn't move and he goes, Good. You're lying so still that you you almost look like you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um but then he's he walks her through and he's like, I know we've only been together for seven and a half days, but the first day um the first day felt like eight days. 
And the second day, the second day felt like four days. And then the third day, their third day, you went to your mother's house. So that just felt like a normal day. But well, like then, a day? That just felt like a day. <laughs> but then you came back on the fourth day, and that felt like two days. And then on the fifth day... And like the, you realize at a certain point, it, so like, the, the the fourth day sort went on until the evening of the fifth day, which fell again like a, the a first day again. <laughs> well, he goes, he goes. The evening, the evening of the sixth day felt like two and a half days, bleeding into the next day. So Saturn, Saturday and Sunday together felt like a total of five days. <laughs> he's just like <laughs> he starts doing like this fucking. This is felt like a total of five days. <laughs> pauses and you're like okay the bit's done but like it was so funny you're just the 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 the, the intricacy of his understanding is so fucking hilarious there's a pause and then he goes i mean i wrote it all down and we could we could talk about uh, i'll it show it i'll, I'll show, show it to you tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> do you know who has the best bit of acting ever in the history of any film ever is her, bernanette peters right in there, that fucking not scene. fucking cracking as not <laughs> even a quiver there isn't a change in her in her shallow breathing pattern. There is not a twitch of the eyelid. Nothing. nothing. It's just dead. Steady as a rock. My Fucking God. Fucking incredible. That had to have been the 500th <laughs> take, and she heard it 500 times. None of for it was that funny anymore. She was hungry. She was tired. She wanted to go home. Like, she must have been. They must have made her miserable, so it wouldn't yep. be funny. Because, dude, Steve Martin is just like. He's just monologuing like math to the side of her head. It is so fucking funny. Oh my god! And then I uh, have it written down. I'll show it. To I'll you show tomorrow. it to you tomorrow. Um, and you know, I just tomorrow, if when the time feels right, I'm gonna ask you to marry me. Don't say anything if that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yep. You make me, and he goes, "I am so happy." And the next day, it's him in the tub. And it cuts to the next morning. It's him in the tub. Hey, honey. Sing, he's like, I'm, let's sing a song. And they sing a little song. And we cut to her, and she's all in black. And she has, like, dude, it's like a funeral it's hat. It's a veil. Like, a, it's, like yeah. It's not, it's not yeah, a veil. It's, it's, it's like, like a, a well, it's like the crime noir, like, widow yes. veil. Like, she's about to go off into mourning. And she's got... She's sitting there writing a why I'm leaving you letter. She's writing him a dear John for Christ's sake. God damn it. Dude, it is. And doing so. I mean, I mean, talk about performance. Like she is giving it some. She's got the tears rolling. I believe. I believe. I believe that she is absolutely. And there's, dare I say, a subtlety in the performance because you can tell that she doesn't want to leave but has to leave. And it hurts her. It's just there's a lot going on right. in that little bit of goo. And it's still goofy as fuck, though. Yeah, 100%. It's still. like I'm. It's breaking my heart, but I'm also laughing my ass off at the same time. Because because she's playing the goddamn coronet along with him. Right. Naven's singing. I wrote you a song this morning, darling. He's singing her a song. And so. About picking out a thermos. Right. Like, See, I wrote you a song about picking out a thermos, which you think that is the dumbest shit in the world until the fucking thermos comes back at the end. And it's almost like, dude, it's almost. He gives up everything for a thermos. For her, the perfect thermos. About that. Yeah. Because remember, that was the song that he wrote when she walked out. It's like, it's unreal that that yeah. joke would come back to be like the crux of the, of the you know, the fucking climax of the movie. 
this little dumb song in the bathtub. Oh, great. And I love the. Yeah, we get it at the be. It's they knew it. We had it in the beginning of the movie. He's the bum on the street. His only possession is his thermos. It's the first thing he talks his, about. His friends and his thermos. His friends and my thermos. Right. And you think it's just a goofy, stupid thing because you don't know yet. You're in the beginning of a Steve Martin, Carl Reiner comedy. Right. Oh, that's funny. Dirty Steve Martin is a bum and he's only got his friends in a thermos. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Right. Joke's on you, asshole. Right. It's the it's the moment that his wife leaves him is singing about the thermos. That what reunites him ultimately with his true love is the thermos. And you're like, I can't fucking believe they doubled down on that so hard. It's like I got inception and <laughs> didn't realize. <laughs> it's totally brilliant. Um so she leaves him. And the dog jumps in the tub. So she she shoves the note under the door and leaves. And he goes, "I will you marry me?" And the dog does that weird bark where it sounds yes, kind of like yes. yes. And he goes, "Come on, baby, jump in the tub with me. Let's seal it with a kiss." Dog dump, jumps in the tub, splashes water on the note. He can't read it. <laughs> Dear Naven. I must to go. He's like, he reads his way through and he goes, what's her name? Marie? Or Mary. I don't know. Mabel. Maybelline. It's spelled M-A-R-I-E and I've heard it said a thousand times and for some reason it's late. I'm going to say Marie. It's been a long day. It has been a long day. I'm going to say Marie. He's like, Marie, you left a note. I can't read it. Marie starts like tries to chase her down, but she's already gone. Yeah, and that's and that's when we get oh my god, dude, the shooter. That's again, right? Yeah, the shooter shows back up and he gets th- this chase scene where he's running away from the shooter, and the guy finally gets he finally gets him cornered in a junkyard after like a long chase, jumping, hiding under stuff. Naven's exhausted. He's got his hands up. It's a pretty harrowing moment, actually. He climbs. It's shot really fucking like. Uh, kinetically and you just you feel like you're gonna you feel like you're about to see Naven get shot in the face and you think you're gonna see it from the shooter's perspective because we're like standing by him and we look we look down looking down at him and it's so he's so like it's so menacing because Naven looks so small and helpless and he's sweating we've seen him crawl over a barbed wire fence Mm -hmm. and the guy reaches into his breast pocket and he pulls out an envelope and he goes you're gonna have to sign for this and what? He, You're not going to shoot me? Well, I know. He, he goes, I have to sign for you to shoot me? And he goes, <laughs> right. he goes, no, no. That was the old me. I had a bad marriage and I just gave up smoking. <laughs> it reminds me of the guy from Airplane so fucking much. You know, I picked a hell of a day to quit smoking. They quit glue. smoking. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that was the old me. And then we see we see the inside of his hat, and he goes, "I've pulled myself together. I'm a private investigator now." <laughs> oh, and we find out that um, so the, earlier the guy that, and it's so funny that that's the dude who would deliver the letter from the guy who was present at the shooting. Yeah, it's just the the world is all interconnected. I love it. Yeah, it, it really is like, it's like if Mel Brooks directed Forrest Gump. It really is. Yeah, all of those, all those, those universes are so very small and connected. It's Dude, incredible. He gets he gets informed that he that guy you know he the guy um who was present at the shooting his glasses kept falling off 
So in his like the five minutes the dude's in the bathroom, Steve Martin designs a little thing that will be the grab. The opt well, that's what this guy's right, pat- yeah. patented name for it. It's actually based on the design of the the shocks for a seventy six Nova or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, the guy's like he's yeah. I saw all sorts of shit like this. I could make a lot of money. And he's like, I'll split it 50-50 with you. And dude, good on this guy for making he, good. He, yep, he he yeah keeps his word. And actually, he had to go out of his way to find him because when we finally meet him, he's like, you're a hell of a guy to track down. He had it to took hire me a, a long, private investigator. Yeah, had to find him. So he had to, he had, like took major effort to find where Naven was. I kind of like that. I like I, that a lot. I like it too. And then he <laughs> he's like, and I just like I said, 50-50. So here's the first check, just like I promised. And he goes, how much? Oh, how much is in there? He goes, 250 big ones. Big and you're ones. Like, you're like, 250. And again, this is where the joke begins and yes. will continue to be told for the next five minutes. You know, and it's uh, this, is, this is one of the few times in this movie where you hear the joke, 250 big ones, and you're like, that's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You know what the final punchline is yep. going to be, but it's almost like watching, uh, watching a master chef make a make a recipe yeah. that you've seen before. You're like, I know what he's cooking, but I'm going to take such pleasure in watching him get there. It's like you, you know, you know that Bob Ross is is painting trees on a hillside for sure. But, but I'm going to sit there and watch Bob Ross paint trees on a hillside and right. smile my ass off the entire fucking time. You don't watch Bob Ross to see the final painting. They're fine. You see yeah. Bob, you watch Bob Ross to. You've w- seen one Bob Ross painting. You've seen them all. Right. But is there something about watching him put the paint down? Yep. His, yep. his voice as he does it, you know, and there's yep, something. Yep. Get a little phalo blue. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, him calling out the palette that he's working uh, in. There's, uh, in the same way, there's something about watching Steve Martin take a joke to the conclusion you know it's going to arrive at as only... And I feel like that's a kind of the poetry to it. I mean, they had to know that as soon as that joke is presented, that they know that the audience gets that that's the joke. Sure, sure. But the poetry and the fun of it is dragging that shit out for so long <laughs> and having Steve Martin play play into that. Two that's genius. Two hundred and fifty dollarinis. Two hundred and fifty smackaroons. Oh he goes, well I guess I could put I guess I could cash fifty of the fifty clams and deposit <laughs> two hundred of the uh, two hundred big ones. And he just keeps saying everything but like two hundred fifty dollars. Dollars, right? Because the cashier's been looking at. It. So what he said is, "I'm going to deposit two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand dollars into your bank." And the guy starts sweating. Yes, sir. Yes, Absolutely. Sir. Well, well, I need two forms of identification. Yep, I've got my temporary, <laughs> temporary <laughs> driver's, driver's license, license and my, my application. Astronaut, astronaut application. My astronaut application. I, uh, I. Failed, failed that one actually failed everything but the, the date of birth, date of birth. <laughs> failed everything but the date of birth date of birth uh did not get that job <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh my god you know this movie another movie that this made me this reminded me of beverly hills Cop. my favorite parts 
That's one of my favorite moments in any movie is that, like... The astronaut. The, yeah. <laughs> that means he failed his first name. He failed his last name. He failed, like, where he's from. He got his birthday, like, down. Everything but his birthday. Oh, oh my God. Oh. No, but, like, do you, do you see what I'm saying, though? It's got that same... I know it's 79, but it almost, it's almost, it's, this is ahead of its time. This feels like an early 80s kind of comedy. This, it really does. It feels edgy like, I was saying that it, it Beverly Hills Cop is what, yeah. it's, it's the same kind of laugh as Beverly Hills Cop. And I'm wondering if that's because Eddie Murphy, again, stand-up comic. You got know? history with SNL. Uh, yeah, there, there's another connection right there, dude. And then we were saying Ghostbusters, you really, there is a certain comedic era where everyone is vibing on each other so much that it's such a distinct feel you know ghostbusters beverly hills cop all well, airplane we've already said it's the um yeah this is leslie nielsen style stuff too jim abrahams and david zucker the 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 writers directors on on airplane the, yeah that whole family of 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 comedic filmmakers at the same time yeah they're all like playing playing and riffing off of each other it's ugh. right dude it's it's amazing and so we this is where we get to this is where we get our it's it's literally a rags to riches story because mm-hmm. he starts out like in you know tar paper shack and now yep. he has two hundred and fifty thousand dollars there's more where that came from right so we find out very quickly that he becomes like profoundly wealthy very fast for doing basically mm-hmm. nothing. So he basically turns into Scarface for a bit. He pretty much does. The gold chains, the, <laughs> Dude, that... the butler whose wife gets assassinated gets for raining bad... <laughs> <laughs> Like overdrawing their account or writing bad checks or something. <laughs> you you want to take the day off or something, Jeeves? Like one can't mourn forever. <laughs> right, but uh, have you overcome your grief enough to dim the lights? Oh yes, sir. One can't mourn forever. Like his wife is chained to a flagpole in the back, and a bunch of a bunch of like U.S. military police draw their service revolvers and shoot her to death, and we watch it, and we're like, what in the what fuck? And fucking Navin looks up at his butler, and he goes, "It's a." By the way, um, he's like, by the way, it was a terrible thing that happened to your wife. Like five seconds ago, she was just executed. He's like, terrible thing that happened to your wife. And the fucking butler looks back and he goes, I understand, sir. Federal regulations. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Someone to see you, sir. About a about charity case. Send them away. Send them away. I don't need. I couldn't need possibly money. need anything more than I already have. No, sir. They want you to give. I think, dude, this joke is brilliant because you see, as soon as like they want you to give, you see Steve Martin go quiet for a second because he's like, mm, uh, I don't want to give. Send them in. Yes. Yeah. Well, and then he goes, yes, yes, of course, anything they want. But you can see he gets that little bit of rich person in him where he's like. I don't want to give hmm. anybody my money, but he's a good guy at heart, so he overcomes yep. it quickly. But I like that little – that was a good little performative beat there. You know, yep. um, I, I dug that. Um, and then we – this is this is where we find out kind of how he's made his fortune, and it's – I wanted to kind of skirt it, but we should talk about the most uncomfortable scene in this movie by far. Um, it's when he's the walking – juggling? 
No, the under. Oh my God! Yeah, let's hit cat juggling before we get to Luca Brasi. Because that's the that's the charitable. Oh my God! Right, right. That's the charity that it's comes. Like, in. Like, yes, sir. I have a film to show you. Are you aware of what's going on in Southern America? Like, un, like the underground whatever well, the goes, horrible thing that's what the, whatever the setup a, is. My the place my the country I come from has an absolute an absolutely horrible problem with the, with an ugliness spreading amongst its people. And Steve Martin goes. Ah, uh, I can imagine. They must be disgusting. <laughs> and we see this fucking... Dude, this black and white film, this little mini film that we get is almost just by uh, by itself, In itself worth yes. like the ticket price to see. This like... It's almost like a reefer madness style set up for cockfighting is basically yes. what it is. Yes. There's a table and there's a bunch of like drunk people in the stands and the waving fists full of right, like dollars and money's exchanging hands and everyone's swilling clear liquor from unlabeled bottles. And in comes a guy with literally like a he's carrying a basket. He's got like a mustache. He's got like an, a wife beater on, you know, he comes and he's all sweaty it's it's just like you're ready he's gonna pull two chickens out and he reaches mm-hmm. into the basket and he pulls out a kitten and you're like <laughs> what like what the fuck and then he pulls out a second kitten and immediately you're like all right so this is some kind of cockfighting joke oh my god are they gonna have is this a kitten fight i can't watch this this is, horrible. Yeah, this is gonna steve- be bad steve martin breaks the tension i've heard of this oh i've heard of this kitten joke cat juggling cat juggling cat juggling <laughs> And the guy, when we cut back, the dude is juggling. Three, it's their dummy cats, obviously, yeah. but he's juggling. Well, you know who that is, right? That's Steve Martin. That's Steve Martin as the cat yeah, juggler? Yeah, Steve Martin's a cat juggler. I got so swept up in the fucking, uh, the hypnotic action of cats being tossed really <laughs> nilly. Dude, the one-handed cat when he's juggling, and then he drops <laughs> one and hits the edge of the table, and he kicks it away off to the <laughs> Steve Martin, and then David stands up. No! Stop it! Stop Stop it! it. Stop Stop it it no more! (laughs) Turn it off! Turn it off! Stop it! I'll give you whatever you need. (laughs) My God, dude. Like, I'm... You know, I wanted to... I, I I forgot to do this at the beginning of the episode. I wanted to be like... To sort of say, I really have not seen many things with Steve Martin in them. I was trying to... I know. That's why I'm so excited about this month. Because I've given you... I have hand delivered you my four favorite right steve martin flicks so. right and i'm so like as soon as i suggested like what if we did some comedy you were like steve martin question mark and i was like you know what are, what are my steve martin movies i've got like planes trains and automobiles and like that's kind of it bowfinger <laughs> yeah like well i've never seen Bow. like I, I know of steve martin i've listened right. to like um was it wild and crazy guys his first yep. stand-up special i've listened to some of his stand-up stuff and I feel like I've seen – I feel like I must have seen, like, him in stuff, but I can't name any of it. So I'm like, you know what? It's time to give Steve Martin a watch. I'm so glad that we started with this one because – Yeah, man. Dude, it's just a fucking riot. It's it genuinely – we don't do a lot of comedy on this show, Mm-mm. but when we do, we, we tend to grab, like – See, we seem to grab really good shit, and yeah. this is just continuing. It's hard, to, and it's hard to talk about comedy because it generally turns into a quote fest, which I think is fine too. I mean, it's just like gets so, comedies exist to make you laugh, right? Dude, <laughs> and that's... like, and a big part of that is 
are those moments, those cat juggling right. moments, those I failed everything but the date of birth. Like right. it's why you know a truly good comedy when you you quote it till it uh, it's to super death. quotable. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it's it's we there's a reason we switched from like psychological horror mm-hmm. films to comedy, and it's because we needed a month of just like. Just laughing and hanging out on a on the let podcast, the let know? the air out of the let the air out of the tank a little bit, Dude, you know, for like, sure, for sure. Um, burp that balloon just a little bit. So let's get into some uncomfortable uh, burping into the to the hand. Into the after we get the cat juggling, we get the 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 mafia walking. The mafia, yeah. Try where where to where where does one best invest their money? Uh, when they're rich, the mafia will come calling, and they will uh, real estate, rec- real estate, and they will recommend certain avenues with which for you to uh, take right. or not take. Yeah, or... well, we well we can put the high rises in over on the east side, and we'll get a you know by doubling the rents. Yes, yeah, and then of course the 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 funny bit of this is is Navin. He keeps repeating what the yes yes. Uh, double the red stuff. Uh, doubling, ledger lines. Right. Doubling ah, the electro yes. lines. Very good. Ah, yes. East side, of course. Like just to, like saying, just calmly. repeating what they're saying to sound like he knows what he's talking. But he about. has no fucking idea what they're Zero talking about. Clue. And then uh, they're like, and you know, don't worry. You know, well, we're gonna attract a certain class of clientele certain here. class of clientele yes, yes certain class of clientele of course and then they you know i won't I, obviously this is a 1979 film the joke gets into the i you can't really repeat the joke on the radio no but no. um they you know they get into basically like don't we're gonna keep out a certain s- element certain element an unwanted element and there's some you know li- like some wordplay but steve martin's not getting what they mean Right, because he's aloof. Yeah, he's well. Like whippoorwills. He, he, yeah, he's he's uh he's naive. Yes. He's not dealt with this particular, you know, until they're like, they're, yeah, he's just not getting it. He's just not getting it. And finally, I think it's, I think it might might be Lenny Montana who says it. He goes, he goes, hey, he's, we're we're gonna keep out the, and he says neighbors, the, the neighbors, he's the yeah. N word, and he goes. And Steve Martin goes, excuse me? And the, the, the other Italian guy goes, yeah, we'll keep out the neighbors. And Steve Martin goes, sir, you're... And he rips open his, like, weird robe shirt that he's been wearing. And he goes, sir, you're talking to a neighbor. And he rips his shirt wide open. And it's... I don't know, man. Like... <laughs> Kung Fu kicks the shit out of now all the, of these guys. Yes, the Kung Fu kicks the shit out of bit. I am 100% there for, dude. It, like, seeing yeah. a Kung Fu fight in the middle of this Sorry, movie, I was trying to gloss it. No, it's... I, <laughs> yeah, you can't. You have, to, you have to at least, like, take a moment yeah, to I know, acknowledge. I know. I, it, it, but, like, like I said, the, dude, the Kung Fu fighting stuff, awesome. We get to see... Um, that's, that's Jeff Iron Balls, you know... McNulty why do you call him iron balls that's why they call him iron yeah he balls. kicks him kicks him in the cod piece and gets a you know busted leg for his troubles but like the, the kung fu stuff is super fun like it's a cool fight sequence in the middle and like steve martin's martial arts not too shabby not too shabby yeah, it's some 79 martial arts but like at the same time it is yeah it is definitely 
it's a bit in the movie where you're like, yeah, yeah you, mm. you, it's like it's a speed bump for sure. You hit it and you're like, fuck, that's it's pretty big. That's a pretty yeah, it is. Because <laughs> well, in 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 the 1979 lens, I understand what the what the what the joke is. Right. I mean, you see the and joke, again, it's... it's not. I don't know, man. It's just so gross. It's kind of gross. gross. It's kind of gross. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just it's bad, but like, yeah. What's, what's but... funny is like a decade ago or whatever, watching this movie and like watching it with my dad or whatever, and like and asking questions about like or being like, man, that's not a good word to say. And right. the response was, well, it's but it well, it's Steve Martin, so it's okay. Like right. that was sort of the that was the well, that's what what made it okay was that it was that it was Steve Martin and it was coming from a uh, a good place. It wasn't coming from a place. I'm not saying that it's sure that that's okay. But I'm saying the, that like, like 20 years ago, that was like the the naivete um, of the time. The naivete of the time that it was okay. Steve Martin could get away with it. Actually, that was something that was said a lot about certain comedians. Is certain. Like uh, certain comedians could get away with certain things because of who they were right. or it's, it's their of style the... of comedy or where they were coming from with that comedy. Was it from a place of uh, were they trying to um, be har- harmful or hateful or was can... it more of a. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like a, like of that time period, that was sort of the the. Well, but you know, it's all right. Look, it's okay that he said it because he doesn't. You can, you know, he doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean anything. Right? And, like he's, he would never. And, really and his family say in this that. movie did love him. They adopted him, and he's part of the family. That's sort and of he like that. Like you can that, justify it in a weird. Well, it's that. It's that sort of way. Like the misguided apologism. Where exactly. You know, like well, it's he doesn't mean anything by it. Now in 2021, you can you will look back and we're like, well, no, absolutely. No, absolutely not. Okay. It's absolutely not something that <laughs> yeah. you can do. But yeah, like, and in a weird way, I think that's one of the reasons that stuff like that should be left in films like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when you see it, you're like, look at that. That is what we thought was okay in 79. It is very clearly not. Right. Like, the, the, the fucking group, the bad, fe- it's, dude, it's a bad feeling. In a funny movie, mm-hmm. it's a bad feeling. And the bad feeling that you get. That's a little learning moment. That's a moment that we need yep. to have so that it's a moment to remember. Yeah, we do better Absolutely. for sure. But like, yeah. you know, I I'm sorry I made us sit in it for a second, but I we like no, it's I think there. it's fine because that's you know? the one that's the one the one part of this film besides the open, sure. you know, it's but it's because that is being very explicit. Yes, yeah, it's just it, the, some of the other jokes are sort of like. They, they sort of live in like a weird, dangerous, kind of edgy borderland where mm-hmm. you're like, ah, this like a is- family guy edginess of like today's. I would say I would say some parts of it and I don't think this was the intention in 79, but I would say the, some, the parts we've been talking about in this way, a lot of them are sort of what I would say is sort of tasteless through yeah. 2021. Like, sure. Like nowadays, for sure. A lot of it just doesn't doesn't read it. It rings wrong. But there's only mm-hmm. one part in here that's like on the just bald on its face, just not not good. And this is it. This is like the one non kosher moment where you're like, there's yep. it's kind of indefensible. Yeah. You know? There's there are there are moments like that. Even the in... stuff with the family at the beginning, I think, is like yeah. for me, I thought that was funny. Definitely, like it's a little a little cringy, but it's but it is genuinely yep. funny. This is the only bit now where, like, yep. I think time has just 
that it's that is no yeah it just takes whatever was there in 79 is no longer is no longer there yeah. and now that now it's it's this other thing but that yeah. yeah but that's just part of making making a movie and your your movie's gonna age and society's gonna move forward dude i'm glad mm-hmm. honestly like i would the fact that we're bummed about this chunk of this movie means that psh, the way that we think about shit now is better and we're moving yeah. forward so I, in a weird way we'll call it a positive and then move on to the knife throwing gag because <laughs> I'm, I'm learning how to be a knife thrower. Holy shit. You know how you said I should take more meaningless classes? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I got a little bit triggered by that because I'm sort of like, <clears throat> I'm like, I want to take like, like I want a subscription to master class. I'm learning how to take bass. I'm, I'm doing an online course for Sibelius so that I can learn how to notate our scores better and sure and when she said you told me to spend more time taking worthless classes i'm like okay i feel a little bit attacked here <laughs> hey back off movie back it's off been, movie it's That's, been a hard year this has been a hard year i yeah, want to learn how to macrame a goddamn fucking rocking chair go fuck yourself <laughs> dude, the, the fucking steve Dude, it's so we've got. I've learned. I've learned how to do a French drop. I know how to do a false shuffle. I've got uh, juggling. Um, I know my juggling like, balls are over my left shoulder too. I learned. I picked up many hobbies in this last yeah, year as dude. well. But I love when it's her first day, and <laughs> yeah. they cut. They pan over to like the the target. You know, like where you have the, the little like, silhouette. It's of a, a human. Yeah, silhouette in red of a human, and then the, there's like the black zone areas where you're actually trying to stick the knives because you the idea is to throw the knife around the person. It's a, a carnival thing. gag. So um, we go, we pan over to the thing, and the, all three knives are just buried in the human, like one in the face, one in the lung, one in the guts. All in vital organs. And dude, Naven is such a good guy. He's like, honey, this is really good for a beginner. Here, show me. Pulls the knives out, brings them over to her, stands against the fucking. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, show me. Show me what you've learned. She's like, are you sure? Do you have a balloon? And he, do you no, have a... I don't have a balloon. He goes, no, I don't, wait. I don't have a balloon. Oh, wait, yes, I do have a balloon. He pulls an already inflated and tied-off balloon out of his pocket, dude. It's just... That is an airplane bit. A hundred percent. Oh, yeah, I do have a balloon. And he puts the balloon in his mouth, and she goes, all right, turn turn to your left, like, in profile. So she turn, he turns profile. She pulls the knife back and throws the knife, and it's... St- Dude, and it sticks the bit of his pants directly over his dick into the board. And he's like, she goes, I missed. And he goes, oh, honey, that was great. <laughs> it's just, dude, there's something about the knife throwing scene that's oddly endearing, especially because of the, uh, we skipped over um, when he buys the mansion. Because remember when oh, yes. he gets a butler, but he's still living in like that shitty <laughs> one bedroom. He, he gets goes, another check. Ah, oh, yes, as I expected, another two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Three quarters of a million, a million dollars. dollars for this. We could be living in a much better house with proper servants' quarters. He goes, and then we get the letter at home, like, "Dear Mom and Dad, Mom, do you remember all the times that I said I wanted to live in a gigantic palatial marble mansion on the hill, and when Dad and I would sit around chatting about how I wanted an all red velvet room with a <laughs> with a." taxidermied camel or whatever the fuck it is 
And he's, dude, he's living in the Scarface mansion. Yes. Like, there's a tiger yes. in the back. It's 100% what that is. With three sim- swimming pools on different levels. Right, dude, that's swimming. Oh, my God, that swimming pool. The fact that that exists somewhere on this earth, you're just like. It's stupid. I know, it, bo- it almost bothered me a little. Like, there's something fun about seeing palatial wealth, but it's less fun now than it once was. You know, because mm-hmm. now you're like, ooh, <laughs> uh, this is the dark side of capitalism. Like, no no man needs to swim three pool lengths without touching a, the wall, you know? No. You'd save some pool for your, the rest of us. Your ears shouldn't pop when you're swimming. No, you shouldn't change unless altitude. You're, unless you're diving down. On the surface of the water, your ears shouldn't pop. Yeah, correct. You shouldn't yeah. be able to swim with your head above water until you're you know, a thousand feet lower than you were. It's not right. It's just not right is what I'm saying. Incorrect. Um, but dude, Bird lost her mind. Like in a good way. When she just kept was kind of strolling through and it's when he walks over to the two water coolers and one is like brandy and one is a nineteen sixty six red wine. It's a Chateau Margot or something. Yeah, like- it's like <laughs> It's a Montre a sixty six Montreche. Oh and- dude, it was it's a Rothschild. Is, is it a Rothschild? Yeah. I love them, them in the restaurant, too. Like, no more old wines. How about something fresh mm, from should. this year? Some fresh wine. They think they're dealing with a couple of rubes. <laughs> but he literally has, like, a like in the office Dilbert-style water cooler filled with 66 Rothschild. And he reaches <laughs> over to, like, what? Well, it's a paper cup dispenser, but it's crystal glasses that you Pink. pull out. And it goes, clink, clink. Bird and it it works. It functions. The dude, yes. Steve Martin pulls the wine glass out, and another crystal wine glass chunk pops into slot. Bird was like, "That props person had the time of their life, and they did such yep. a fucking great." I'm a dude. I'm like, with I, you. Applause I, for the fucking. Uh, China I can just wine. imagine that properties person going, I, "I'm gonna make what today?" It's gonna, okay. I gotta pull. All it. right. And he actually, okay. he's gonna actually pull a glass out of it, and All another right. glass has to come down. Okay. Okay. Dude, right. that's such that's such a good prop. Such a good prop, man. Fucking. But I gotta say, man, the no heat shield on that uh, that Dilbert uh, water cooler. That that wine's gonna be trash, but like not even before the end of the day. Sun contact. Yeah, the sun, sun contact, contact on that bad yes. boy. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And you're gonna get you're gonna get parabens probably from your plastic gonna be oxidized as shit. Yeah. You hate to see it with something like a 66 Rothschild. You hate to see it. You say you hate, hate to see it. it with any wine, honestly. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, well, that was a moment of silence for the lost quality of, this, <laughs> right. of the prop wine, which was probably... 60, it's Kool-Aid. Yeah, it's Clearly. It's, it's the, color was, the color was way off for a 1966 uh, Rothschild. Right, I'm I've sorry. always found that to be more burnt... Uh, burnt more um, garnet. Garnet. More like a bloodstone set into a within a ruby within a within a carmine within a within an emerald just a hint of an emerald. Of course, there's red emerald. You fucking don't. Not quite so dark as port. More tawny. I would say it's tawny with notes of rusticulum. <laughs> you know, mouthfeel terroir. So and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, um, dude, how God damn it. fucking funny is it that there's a class action lawsuit 
led by is Carl Reiner, the director of Hollywood films. (laughs) Of this Hollywood film. Director Carl Reiner, $10 million class action lawsuit. Because we find out that the, what is it, the oculum? The optograb. The optograb causes you to develop permanently crossed eyes because you're constantly. Cockeyed. <laughs> Cockeyed. Cockeyed, right, right. Because it's, con- you're, it's, it's always like right between your nose. So your eyes are, if you put your finger right Constantly there, drawn to the optograb. Right, just you can just imagine like you would be looking at it like all the time, right? It might be a problem. It, Ugh. I know it fucked me up a little when I just did it. I don't want to. No, it's bad. See, we should get in on this, dude. We get we should have. We could have got one dollar and nine cents. <laughs> I don't need. I don't need any of this stuff. I don't need any of this except this. I need this. This ashtray. This ashtray. This ashtray and nothing else. This paddle game. This paddle game. Yeah, and this ashtray. Yeah, this ashtray and this paddle game, and that's all I need. And these matches. I just <laughs> the need matches, the paddle the matches, game. The paddle game and the ashtray, this and tray. that's all. I don't need any of this. I just maybe this I do need this lamp. <laughs> just the ashtray. The lamp, the, the, lamp, the paddle game, the ashtray, and the matches. And then by the end, he goes, and this thing here. And this thing. And he's got a chair. Whatever the thing is that he picks up. The paddle game, the ashtray, the lamp. And the the fact that he repeats the litany of things that he's carrying in a different order almost every time that he... Dude, it's intricate. It's, It's like fun. It's that repetitive funny thing that Family Guy would ultimately kind of like both in a way perfect and then drive mm-hmm. into the ground and then drive into bit. the ground yeah but like and you got to give family guy credit for it because oh absolutely dude, like an entire episode being the chicken fight episode is fucking mm-hmm. brilliant because of its like insane length it's like a carl reiner joke taken to 11 this is carl reiner and steve martin just how much of the, how much of this do you think is improv him just picking up random most shit? of it because Maybe think, maybe this has to do with him being like a clean comedian too, where he's not doing all sorts of wild drugs. His memory is outstanding. Yeah. If it's not scripted, this is crazy. And his, no, it's a lot of this is a lot of his stuff is is improv, especially the early stuff in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, they they just let him go. Well, you, you know. see why? In this Pick up a bunch of shit in the room. That's the gag, and go. Then he does it. Right, right. It's like I mean, like in the carnival scene when it's like, uh, explain the wall of prizes, but get fewer and fewer as you go to where it's only the one. Dude, that was... The pencil erasers. <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> Not including the chiclets. Like, Not including the chiclets? Really, anything so I, in this three-inch area from the watch from batteries these, over <laughs> to the... <laughs> the centennial mugs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But not including the chiclets, and he's whittled it down to just the pencil erasers. Just the erasers, <laughs> dude. There's, dude. There's so many amazing monologues in this movie. Mm-hmm. Monologues that are just jokes. Like that is one when he's doing when he's the carnival barker, and then the I'm gonna propose marriage to you. That's actually like four minutes long. Yes, that's that's a monologue to a sleeping person. That is really fucking funny. 
this bit here of him like gathering up like junk and then walking out of the house that is also just a monologue because she's just looking looking after him like again mm-hmm. Bernadette Peters doing doing work t- crying real tears she's got yep. her coronet in her lap you know and she's just god damn it <laughs> she just wants she just wants that guy you know that she that yep. she met um but and he I, I think, just want my name in oh he wants it, but I think he needs his time in the wilderness before he can yeah. come back Christ-like at 33. You know, his father having made a shitload of good investments with the money that he was sending home a few bucks at a time. Um, I, dude, it's so wild to me that he... So, And we're pretty much at the end of the movie here because he, yeah. he walks out of the house. He trades all of that junk for a single for thermos. thermos. And yeah. then we get the voiceover. And that takes us right up to now. And I got my friends in my thermos, and here I am. And you hear a car pull up, and it's like Nathan, and his it's his family in like this mm-hmm. totally fly like old Lincoln Continental or whatever, some old like you know powder blue caddy. It looks great. Um, and they all they all roll out, and we see we eventually see that Bernadette Peters is with them. Yep. And she he, went and grabbed his family, right, to go and find him. Right, and his his family has gotten. I wasn't joking about that. Like his family has gotten wealthy because dad has been investing in soybeans and what the fuck was the other thing? Oh my god, soybeans and fucking. Yeah, he's like, I don't he's remember. In, he's in deep with soybeans and like you know, it's like you know, oil filters or whatever. But he's basically <laughs> right. become like an investment mogul on Wall Street, and he's totally rich. So all of their money problems are over. So they take that money and. Man, the movie like just won't let you get out without one more like sure won't one more weird little ball flick of a joke where you're like, Ay. <laughs> and they're like, mm. and we we tore down that old house and we built oh, a God. bigger one right where it is, and it's literally it's the same house but bigger. It's a bigger tar paper shack, dude. But like, I'm fucking telling you, like, dude, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, I watched it and I was like. But then mm-hmm. another little deep part of me that still enjoys major pain. I'm, you know, like that. You yep. still watch that movie and laugh a little. I'm looking and I'm like, it is just a bigger house. It's kind of funny. <laughs> just a bigger house. It's just a bigger house. Oh, my God. Um, And then like, oh, God, there's that weird like Nathan got his groove back moment where. where now he that, can act- but I but I thought about this, you know, and like, I don't it's I God, Carl, just forgive me for even saying it. But like, I wonder do you think what they were going for is now that he's now that life's kicked him around a bit, Naven understands the blues. Yeah, I mean, is that yeah, what they're going for. I think so. I think so too, kind of. And right? it's awkward as it's stuck. Not, it's not. Yeah, not I don't good. Like it that not much. great. But no. that is how the movie ends because because you got to get kicked in the nuts and have everything taken away and be super poor to know what it means to be a. I, yeah, I guess I yeah. don't know. Is that that's kind of what I was wondering? And also, it feels bad that the family has a whole bunch of money now, but they can't ever get. Uh, they just buy a bigger than, version of what of the they cra- had. They can't really ever improve themselves or yeah, uh, I don't move know. on from where they. It feels bad. It does. It just feels bad. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not a good. It's not a good thing. <laughs> no. Nope. See at the very end, but but you know, man, like that. We do get to see I, I, if there's one redeeming quality, it's seeing getting to see Steve Martin dance goofy because he, had, yep. he seems to be having fun dancing goofy. Honestly, everyone on set seems to be having a good time, but that a grand old time. But 
hanging out with Steve, dancing, but singing. That, I'm going to say that's I, that is but light bomb. It is but a light bomb upon the Yes. <laughs> and that's how we go out. Look man, it's a it's a bumpy. Okay, we got we landed in Atlanta O'Hare and we yeah. were fine, but we definitely there was a little pee that came out on the landing. A couple there, a couple of the oxygen masks came, came down, out and the luggage containers opened. Uh, the overhead there, bins there kind was, of opened and flew right, out right. a bit of luggage. One of the landing gear, some of the landing gear, the brakes were on and we, it was mm-hmm. dicey for a second and it but they but, but they broke loose. It was bumpy We're but walking we, into the terminal now and we're we're going to collect our luggage. Right, and in a weird way, we all look around at each other and <laughs> and we're that, that pilot of my Ooh, and we we all share, you know, we've all shared an experience. Denzel now. Washington comes out with a screwdriver. He's like, "I'll handle this motherfucker." I'm gonna go have me a cocoa <laughs> Where's that guy from Roxanne? I need to buy some right? drugs off of him, dude. And that's. So I watched Flight recently. That's all right. I watched last time I saw my family. I watched uh, Captain Sully. You want another mm. airplane crash movie? Whoo! That would be a great double feature: Flight and uh, and Captain Sully. Those are both Flight, pretty good. Flight is one of my favorite movies. I agree. Just in general, it's, Dude, a, it's so fucking good. Phenomenal. Um. All right, Carl. Final thoughts. I guess what we should yeah. do is this. Do you have any final right. thoughts on the jerk? I I don't. Just if you haven't watched it prior to listening to this episode watch it now it is it's bumpy there are things that don't but just watch any episode of the muppets yeah uh, the muppet show and read that tagline ahead of some of the more problematic episodes and use that as your guide i'm 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 with you on this one this is the jerk is something i would pretty much recommend to anyone like yeah i feel like anyone i recommended this to would they they would everyone's equipped to handle this they see yeah. it and they're like ah shit okay well there's that's a little bit i don't think there's anything that's aged too poorly to to discredit the the flick as being a fun right. comedy that you can still enjoy right yeah i would say like some movies there are some movies that i don't think are really watchable anymore one of them dude mm-hmm. where's my car like i think I, yeah Barely watchable when it came out, right? But, like, yeah. but there's like there's stuff like that where it's so egregious that you kind of yeah. just have to like honestly, yeah, this one is just over now. Like, I don't think we we can really watch. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's a like, and that film should be censored and no one should be allowed to no. watch. It. I'm just saying like, I don't. Know. I would I recommend have, it. Yeah, I don't like. I don't have the stomach to sit through that. But this yeah. the jerk. There are so many redeeming qualities in this. You heard the episode. You heard a shrieking with laughter. It's a funny fucking movie, and this is a great yeah. start to Steve Martin month. Um, that's all I got. Uh, yeah, man. Listener, if you have thoughts on The Jerk, send them to measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com and keep an eye on our Patreon. That's where we're going to uh, we're gonna start announcing some of the films that are coming up a- ahead of time over there so that you can – and we'll, I'll, maybe I'll pin the post or something so it's easy to find. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to shoot that stuff out on Instagram and Facebook about a month ahead so people can catch up on the flicks before before our episodes right. drop so you can watch and listen along. You can watch the stuff. Yeah, yeah. You can – if you feel inclined to, to check stuff out, like for, for listeners who've made it this deep into the episode – Next week, we are talking about The Man with Two Brains, uh, and then the week following, if you want to get a cut, I'm doing a double feature tomorrow morning, um, oh, yeah, so dude. if you want to get a bunch of Steve Martin in your head, uh, the movie after that will be Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, so <laughs> we're, we're digging in deep, dude, and I'm 
honestly, I've I love how this started. I love the first half of the Man with Two Brains so far. Like I'm I'm digging the Steve Martin ride. I'm all my Oh my god, dude! It's we can't we can't I can't talk about it now. We gotta talk about it later. But uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about it not tomorrow. No, tomorrow. No, no. not tomorrow. Tomorrow's Tuesday day. After. Wednesday. Wednesday. All right, listener, we won't keep you any longer. Watch the jerk. It's fucking hilarious. Um, check out our Patreon and uh, keep on keep on keeping on. I only need day. this podcast, my board games, and the bass guitar, and that's all I need. And Gloomhaven. I need Gloomhaven. <laughs> I need Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven and the, the bass, bass guitar. guitar and this the podcast. podcast. <laughs> and my wife. So you see my, my wife's wife. boobs. I see my wife's boobs.